Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's all you can hear. I already want to vomit. Oh, damn it. I would be remiss if I didn't. And uh, that should be your hint to what we'll be talking about today. This is Non-Canon Files, number 24, and we'll be discussing The Tiger King. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today are my two, actually, two two physical co-hosts and one digital co-host. But starting with my right, who do we have? Uh, you have Jonathan. It's Carnivorous Cannon in the house. And joining us from across the internet, through the Matrix, who do we have? I'm broke as shit. Uh, it's, 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 it's Cody. Quarantine Cody still. Oh, damn it. I should have went with that one. That was actually better. Shit. We have so many options when it comes to C sounds in the uh, English alphabet. You have Cs, you have Ks, and you have Qs. So, Canon, I can't help that you uh, you fucked that up. Yeah, well, I was going to say we win, but on that note, fuck you, Cody. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Thank you. And uh, today we'll be going to do like... Uh, Discussing the Tiger King, just like the crazy fucked up ride that this docu-series was. And just just getting this right out of the way, this will be completely spoiler-filled. We'll be talking about every single aspect of Tiger King. If by some chance you haven't seen it already, please devote about seven hours of your time to go and experience. Because experience is the only way you can take this, and it is an experience. Go and experience this series, then come back and watch this. Because it, because this is this is the zeitgeist. This is what every single person in America and probably the world has been consumed in some form. So we'll be talking a good bit in detail about all the events that happened in the docuseries Tiger King. I mean, come on, people. It's been two weeks. You're locked up in your house. You're not doing fuck all right now. Watch this show. It is a complete banana sandwich. You it is totally amazing. You totally get like a 30-day subscription to Netflix for free just to watch Tiger King, and I would not blame you. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I kind of want to talk about like how we all kind of fell down this uh, sordid rabbit hole. Because I remember I watched it probably the first in the house and then I watched the first two episodes and I told Liz and Cannon and then they end up bending a good bit and then we and then Jonathan jumped in and then uh, when did when did you start it Cody? Uh, I really don't know I think it was the day that Jonathan started except at night time so Jonathan was finishing while I was starting. Yeah because uh, Pat came into our kitchen one day and he was like yeah I've been watching the show called Tiger King and it's fucking crazy. Uh, I was like Okay, I didn't think anything of it. And then, you know, Canon was talking about it, and I was like, okay, I, I'll have to give this a, you know, give it a look. And then, like, after I'd watched it and kind of just stared into the abyss at how fucking insane this thing was, like, the internet just fucking blew up about Tiger King. Yeah, I um, I was at work. We were having a meeting to discuss what we were going to do about you know, the whole COVID-19 situation. And uh, my general manager just comes up to me and goes, hey, man, before uh, you have to cancel your Netflix subscription because you're going to be broke, uh, you need to watch Tiger King. And I was like, what the fuck is Tiger King? And his description, as crazy as it was, didn't do it justice. And then I kept seeing the memes and and like Pat, he was the first one in the house to start watching it. And I was like, okay, Liz and I, we're going to go down this rabbit hole and Tiger King is the reason why my sleep schedule is just fucked right now because I was up until the sun came out watching this shit. It was bonkers. Yeah, I didn't stop. I once I started, it was just like I can't stop. And it was so engrossing. The the documentary itself like I'm a big fan of documentaries to begin with, but just yeah. the styling and how the guy 
I don't know, I say the guy, but the team created this. It was just, it was a beautiful documentary. It was so good. It was so well laid out. And it unraveled the story at such a great pace. And, oh, like, for sure. looking back, like, going into it and watching each episode, really, you start to, it, how it unfolds. But when you think back about how it actually unfolded and how everything started kind of coming up, I don't know. It was just... I, I, I had never experienced anything like that when it comes to a document. I, I wish, uh, you know those old History Channel biblical documentaries? I need I need uh, Tiger King to get on that, the Tiger King people to get on that and uh, make it interesting. I need I need Jesus to have some tigers wrangling, <laughs> wrangled. Well, unfortunately, Easter is canceled this year, so there's Jesus can't do anything about it. Yeah, his, his resurrection got cut off, so uh, maybe next year. He's quarantined year. himself. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I died for your sins, not now for your he, germs. Now he wishes he really did keep that fucking uh, cave door. They kept that cave door closed, honestly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> leave me dead, heavy. God damn it, Or dad damn it. Me damn it. It's like Cody said, how this documentary evolved. Because I remember in the beginning, I think it was originally going to be about reptiles. And then this guy shows up with a fucking, uh, what is it, a snow leopard in his van? Yeah, like a thousand yeah. degrees outside? It's like, wait, what? And then that's where it starts. Because it's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, he, he's acclimated to Florida heat, which just sounds like a big fib to me. Yeah. <laughs> and because... Watching the first episode, it's like, okay, this is wild and great. This is like, this is kind of weird. Everybody's kind of trashy and whatever. And then, like, episode two hits you like a like a sack of bricks. And then it's just only from there, it just, like, builds and builds and builds. And there's, like, all these big, like, wham moments throughout the throughout the, oh, uh, God, the series. Yeah. And, like, we'll, we'll get to those in time. But, like, it's just sort of, like, a steady sort of gut punch throughout. And it's just inc- with increasing intensity. Yeah, but they, uh, the thing about, like, all the reveals, they don't really dwell on them too much. They kind of just well, nonchalantly they drop they them. dwell on them. They've got so much <laughs> shit to pack in that it's just, like... Yeah, I, 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 I mean, this is a really well-paced documentary, but similar to Joe Exotic himself, it is a little all over the yeah. place. And that's one of the things I love about it. But yeah, I, th- th- there's one reveal in particular. There, there was this one guy we'll get to. I was kind of on his side. It was like, okay, this guy seems like the most sane person. <laughs> and, and then they dropped this one little nugget. I'm like, okay, what? And then they go into his story a little bit. And it's like, oh shit, this guy is probably the most sinister of them all. Oh yeah, yep. But yep. Those are the, speaking about episode one and the documentary host and the whole thing on reptiles, this kind of brought up two things in my mind. Number one, number one, that documentary host kind of just faded to the background. I don't. He after the second episode, I think I saw him one time throughout the entire series, and. Yeah, he he didn't really show up until about the end, and even then he was just like like you said he was in the background. But even like shows like Making a Murderer, like the 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 actual documentarians are not necessarily a part of it. Yeah, but it seemed like this guy wanted to be up front at the beginning, but then all of a sudden he's just like gone. And it makes you wonder what? if, like, he at some point was just like, maybe we should just fade to the background here. Because we don't know anything about this guy, really, other than a few snippets of the beginning with him dealing with reptiles. And that kind of brings up my second point of, I really want to fucking know about the reptile world now. Because if they thought, oh, reptiles are really <laughs> interesting, let's go there. But then they had to veer off to go to tigers. I want to know what's in the reptile world and see what's going on. Like, yeah. like the reptile king. And 
and plus, like, you have you have the three, I guess, tent poles of the of the series. You have Joe Exotic, the owner and the principal character of the, the docu series. He owns the zoo. You have Doc Anton, who owns his um, zoo, and was it in in West Virginia. No, I think this was in Myrtle Beach, South, South Carolina. South Carolina is Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and then you have Carol Baskins, and also in Florida, and and it is sort of funny how he he, he jumped between these these three perspectives in the first part, and it's sort of like Joe Exotic's like animosity towards Carol Baskins. Carol Baskins sort of weird, sort of ethereal, like a- eccentric I'm, bohemian hippie girl, and then you have Doc Anton, who's sort of like this like Antle. I guess. Very affluent, like zookeeper who has like and, he has, like, and, and cult leader and cult leader, as, as we'll find Sex out. Sex cult leader because like he he seemed pretty stable, and, and at least Carol Baskins until like the third episode, she's like she's a little like granola girl, but you know otherwise seems pretty fine. And like Joe just like this wild frazzled character, and just like the weird injury that just sort of builds out of this. It's just. It's un- it's unreal because yeah, when you think one of the characters is like even remotely on the level, the the next episode's like, <laughs> fuck you, this person's insane too. It's like, bitch, you thought. Like by the end of the show, when the on- like the most sane character is like this evil drug dealer, this like <laughs> fucking Scarface level yes. guy. It's like this is the level of crazy we're dealing with. I also want to know how true it is if he was the basis for the remake of Scarface, the, the Al Pacino Scarface, because... Oh, yeah, I forgot that is a remake. Yeah, I know a lot of people... <laughs> I forget it from time to time, too. I, I mean, that the original movie came out in the 30s. It doesn't exist. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah, I don't watch movies that are in black and white. Sorry. You haven't seen Clerks? All right, we're getting off track here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Kevin Smith another time. I guess we can control, go through the episode because, like, we touched on episode one. Episode two is where things really start to get kind of kooky, crazy, because we kind of get touched on the, um, the just the overall world of, of exotic animal ownership, which just seems kind of leering itself. Because you can just like, if you have enough money, you can buy any exotic animal. Because Joe himself said he bought like a mountain lion at a pet store for like what four hundred dollars? Yeah, something that- absurd. And then do. And so that sort of uh, spins into the, like, the distribution of, of uh, like exotic animals and big cats. And it's just like, it seems like, okay, this is a Phil Seedy. And then we, then we meet the one guy in, I guess he's a, he's a little up north. Where he has like the, he's, he's the guy with the monkey. He always has a monkey with him. And how his fledgling thing, how he in contact with Joe, with Doc, and sort of like learning from them. is like, I'm going to build my old animal farm. And then we get to like a, like a very harrowing portion of episode two, which is the Zanesville, Ohio incident. Which is where, oh yeah, which is where a, a private animal owner loses pretty much his entire collection of animals into the into the town, and then he commits suicide. And then the 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 local police are ha- have to like have are forced to sort of um, just gun destroy these. all the animals. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. one. Uh, I know we talked about. <coughs> I know we're gonna get to probably this later. The music videos and stuff like that, but. Hey, there's actually a music video. Um, I don't know if you guys looked at the playlist on Joe Exotic's YouTube page, but uh, there's actually a video of, like, it's almost like a, I don't know, like a really weird homage to those tigers, where it's just a, like a movie clip slideshow, slideshow of all the tigers dead, 
the guy who set them loose, and especially like anti-cop rhetoric about uh, hating on the cop who shot the who in, allowed for the the tires to get shot down. And it's literally just a video on YouTube out there of a slideshow of tigers bloody and dead on the ground, and it is really fucked up to yeah. some really like sad music Gross. Uh, that I think is uh, one, a Joe Exotic exclusive hmm. sound. So. In the arms it, it, of honestly, the it honestly felt like it was like a. It shouldn't. I felt like I was on that weird space of YouTube, you know, and I don't know. It felt very uncomfortable at times. Yeah, like, where it's not necessarily like. I don't. Like, it can get gory, but it, like, it, it's definitely, like, uncanny and it was very, It was very uncanny and unsettling because it was just like. It was. It felt like. I don't. I mean, I know it's hard to 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 put one thing to another, but do you know those weird radical videos of like of like right wing extremists who post these weird nine eleven type videos, where yeah, and, and like having like Obama as a devil and stuff. It was like that, but for the Tiger World, and uh, it was very weird. So we're talking about like like bloody and gross. We didn't even like touch on the first thing that happens in episode two. What was that? Arms getting oh, detached shit. from bodies. Yeah, when oh. uh, when Saf uh, the caretaker gets his arm ripped off, which is something we should point out. Yeah, yeah. That Saf is a trans man and he was misgendered throughout that documentary. That's something just keep in mind when you're talking about that. about him. Like still is, and like every video that I've watched like regarding Tiger King so far, it's it's been the same. Yeah, it's like, oh, this lesbian gets her arm ripped off. No, Saf is a trans man. That's wild that they. That's wild. I mean, like, I don't blame the people. I blame the people in the documentary more than anything, because uh, like those videos yeah. that come after the documentary or those like pieces of media that came after are only just mimicking what they saw in the video. But the the fact yeah. that that the vid- that the documentary people did that, but also later on in the in the show, apparently um, apparently there's a lot of racism that Joe Exotic portrays throughout his entire zeitgeist of himself. Well, that well, there's definitely a bit that came yeah. out as, as people talking about how like he had some diatribe on one of his shows about he he couldn't use the N word basically, and it's kind of yeah. like okay, that's definitely troublesome. Well, not only oh, that, I but do you know that. That, that famous video that I quoted earlier of the I'm broke as shit and all that that information apparently deep in yeah. there in that video I don't know if it's a cut audio piece or if it's a piece of audio that um just got edited out of most things but he actually does say something really racist I can't remember exactly what it was but it was like ooh that's even worse than the I can't say the n-word thing it's uh it was it, it was very yeah. like in the realm of white pride um so yeah oh, I'm not surprised though I'm not surprised either if we're being 100% because to I'm, me this is like Joe Exotic could literally be down the road from us and I'll, uh, I'll get into it later, but to me, this feels like uh, S-Town. Did y'all ever listen to S-Town? I, I listened to S-Town. I tried, but I just could not because it just hit way too close to home, literally and figuratively. Yeah. And uh, Cody, well, Cody uh, do you want to just like a brief aside of what S-Town is? Because uh, I don't think Cannon's listened to it. So yeah, S-Town was a podcast is. that came out in about 2017, I believe, at the beginning of 2017, late 2016. And it was uh, it was a serial podcast done by a reporter from NPR, I believe. I think he was actually a, yes. Um, and yeah. it was supposed to be he was trying to look for something to do with crime and 
things like that. And he had this, or he had been doing a podcast about crime. I can't remember what. And he had got this email from this old guy who kept saying, you know, there's corruption in my small town, and he'd just ignore it, and he kind of became, like, pseudo in, in kind of, like, contact with this guy, this older man, and uh, the reporter one day gets an email saying, hey, uh, here's proof that my town's corrupt, and apparently he sends him an article based on two police officers who were uh, who were jailed, Um they were they were jailed due to whatever reason that may be, uh, due to uh, I think it was due to the fact that they were allowing female uh, allegedly they didn't they they covered up a sexual yeah. assault that a other police officer yeah did, didn't I believe they? that's what was supposedly allegedly happening. Anyways, uh, this was in Bibb yeah. County, Alabama, West Blockton, Alabama, to be exact, and. Uh, it was in Woodstock. Yeah, it was in oh, Woodstock. Yeah, like yeah, you know, I worked in Woodstock, in Woodstock for years. Which for those who don't know, are about 40 minutes away from, from where we uh, live in Tuscaloosa. So, not oh, even. Yeah. It's like, like Pat, that was just like down the street from him, and it was like maybe 20 minutes for us. Yeah. yeah like 15 it, it, it was that. really close by, and it's just insane how that happened. And, and like, it's the same way with the, with the Tiger King story. Like, even though this took place in Ohio, it's just like this whole sort of affair happened just within the last couple of years that we're finding out about it. Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, oh, excuse me, Oklahoma. And um and it's just like the old saying goes, Truth is stranger than fiction and you and there's not a person there's not a writer alive who could just pin this whole story from the top of their head. Like it, nothing about this makes any sense and how it could happen, but it like it's it's reality. Well, and I mean if you were to try to sell this to like any sort of studio exec, they would it laugh like at a you. Fanfic. And now they're going to laugh all the way to the bank shit. with it. <laughs> what was that? If they do make a show, they're going to be laughing all the way to the fucking bank yeah. now. Now, <laughs> yeah. I would say that, uh, the reason why I brought up S-Town was because the old guy who kept emailing the reporter and being like, these people are crazy, these people are nuts, that dude was hella eccentric. And super. he, w- he was super eccentric, he was a gay man, and he had a very similar personality, in my opinion, to Joe Exotic. He wasn't a bad guy, but he was really, really... I don't know how to describe it. You have to listen... The... the, the- the, the difference between the, the guy from S-Town and uh, Joe Exotic, though, was <laughs> the guy from S-Town was, like, genius-level intelligent, whereas, like, you know, Joe Exotic is... He's not a very bright you know, guy, Jonathan, if we're being I think honest. Joe Exotic is a lot brighter than people expect. Just because... I, 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 well, I, I mean, yeah, definitely, but, like... He, he definitely has, like, a, you know, I get, like, a good intuitive sense about how to, like, promote himself and to, like, ingratiate himself... Into it with people, and that takes a certain level of skill and sort of like I guess social awareness. But in terms of just like actual, I guess facts and intelligence, that's definitely a, a a different body and a different capability. I don't think he quite had, especially when he was running for his political offices, president, and then the governor, and that sort of he was just sort of like going off and doing his show, and then his campaign manager sort of just left to wrangle this whole party together. <laughs> Who was a manager at Walmart prior to being his campaign manager, which. Yeah, and he was just like in the gun department, which, which like the guy kind of looks like this white collar like suburbs type of dude. And then I remember there was this one point where they're like, he's like, 
I'm a libertarian, so fuck the feds. I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> but, but, but what's so crazy is that the reason why he was so uh, enamored with Joe Exotic because um, his campaign manager was a gay man, and he looked up to Joe Exotic for being like an openly gay man in their yeah. in their town, which is like, you know, obviously a very, very like, rural and probably, you know, red state. So, like, I guess that makes sense in a certain way, but then, like, when we know everything that we know about Joe now, it's kind of like, is the bar really so low for for heroes? Is that but that's who you look up to? But I don't know. Well, I mean, we did, and, and like a lot of this stuff didn't come out till honestly till the documentary. Though. So he may not have known all the skeletons in Joe's closet. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is true. I think there's a you know, it's also a small town where I guess. There's nothing else to. There's nothing. Nothing else to look up to. Like Joe Exotic is the most interesting person in the goddamn state of Oklahoma at that point. So like, or in the yeah. Midwest, like for that portion of the Midwest, you know. So I mean, uh, Oklahoma City has one tall building. I don't know if it actually does or not. But Oklahoma City always looks like it has one tall <laughs> building, and it's like a eight foot eight floor um, Capitol building. And so, I don't know, like. To me, that just Joe Exotic is the little piece of pepper in a big old thing of Campbell's. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's soup. It's just he was just an interesting character that people. I mean, you couldn't help but watch because he was just this bright and shining person in the middle of these podunk. Like, I mean, not saying they're they're less than people, but they're just people who are just normal people living their lives and trying not to deal with anything crazy. And then you have this one crazy motherfucker who's out in the middle of a field taming some tigers and doing meth, you know, so... You know, handing out yeah, um, so, condoms I mean, with his face on it. Look at Joe and be like... <laughs> and, and that kind of... And that kind of rhetoric... Whenever we see later on when you see the townsfolk speaking about Joe Exotic and his uh, campaign, and like, hey, do you think Joe Exotic has a chance of winning? And they're like... Hell, he's better than what we have in office now, and it's just like, it's like, <laughs> that's what they're looking at. They're saying, you know, how interesting and how, I don't know, I don't want to say powerful, but how like persuasive, charismatic, charismatic. How much a character will carry someone? Because like he won nineteen percent of the libertarian vote when bonkers. he ran for governor. That is absolutely fucking insane. I don't know. Like uh, Joe Exotic, and even to me, even to our group and everything, how we. I mean, obviously we play around and we're like, hell yeah, Team Joe. But the truth is that like these are awful, awful people. <laughs> these are just bad people. And like Joe is just one of those types of people where obviously the documentary tries to make you feel sad for. But because I think the documentarians want more, you know, him to get out so they can make a new documentary of him. <laughs> yeah, to make more money. A sequel. But at the same time, like, there's something about his character, his charisma that's just like, you know, you kind of want to rally around in a way. He, he, it's something, it's this intangible quality that makes his presence very yeah, and infectious. I don't know, that's scary to me. I don't like the fact that basically Joe Exotic could be our president right now in another dimension and I'm supporting him uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean at this point well. I mean might as well gosh and just speaking of bad characters I do want to get into discussion of like between the big three Joe Exotic Doc Antle and Carol Baskins I just want to like since we talked a little bit about Joe we talked about the other two so like 
how they play into like the story and, and the corruption because Carol gets a whole episode unto herself because we like we said she seems as just like hippy dippy granola gore a little spacey but like otherwise fine and then the third episode was about her and like sort of like how Joe sort of keeps bringing up this sort of rivalry this sort of like animosity with her and like the, the whole episode is very true crime is it where it sort of really focuses on um, how her husband who she, who she got a lot of her money from to start her wildlife rescue sanctuary is sort of clouded in like macabre and mystery because her husband um, disappeared and she sort of got all of his money once he was cleared legally dead and then sort of like the whole mystery is like did she kill her husband and, and I think because her episode's like episode three right yes and so they kind of drop that nugget that it's like, oh, yeah, she might have killed her husband at the end of the second episode, I think. And then it's like, okay, what? And, and then the entire episode is just about, like, her life and mostly centered around her relationship with her – was that her, her second husband? The, the, her billionaire husband was her second first husband because Howard is her third. There's a second husband we will talk to and talk about in a bit who wasn't re- mentioned in the documentary. Wait, well, she was married before the – Yeah, she was married yeah. before. Well, 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 excuse me. I, I guess, believe so. I, I guess after she, she, after her, her, the husband that talking about the documentary disappears, she had an interim husband between the one we see in the documentary, Howard. So that so Howard be technically her no, fourth no, husband. No, no, no. Oh wow. I, I, I remember it as she had one husband she married whenever she was young and had. Uh, I think she had her. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Does she had a yeah, child? And he with, was like hella abusive. abusive. And she married the yeah. And then after he. Yeah. Uh, she married the dude that's in the documentary now, who honestly looks super out of place um, throughout the whole damn thing. Yeah, like he's he's very like he's very like hen pet. But but no, I was doing some Trust research boy. into like just sort of like a, some like, sort of expanded information about the show. She does before she married Howard. She did have a a, a sec, another husband. And once we talk more about I guess what went on with the first one, I can get into the second that. The interim husband, but the whole thing is like her husband um, sort of uh, left his family for Carol when she was 19 years old. He was like 40s maybe, and he was like a, he was a self-made millionaire. And then he saw her walking on the side of the road after she left her, like she ran away from home. And then so they sort of got together and sort of like started this life together. They both had a mutual appreciation for animals, and that sort of built from there into like this wildlife sanctuary. And then what the the spooky part comes in is that her husband starts saying really unusual, strange things like he's going to leave, like he keeps because he's going he's going out of the country to acquire these cats to, for his sort of operation because he was sort of like, hey, have this cat pet it, we'll play, we'll sell tickets. And then over time, she starts to change her tune about how these wild animals should be yeah. presented, like not for like pay and visit. And then they start to get into a big argument and sort of, and that's when things start to get really murky. There's like some evidence that is that he got on a plane and he left to go to like Costa Rica somewhere. Some say he, but either, whatever the case, he just disappears. There's no concrete proof saying what happened to him or where he went. It's just, there's a lot of evidence that kind of points toward she got rid of her husband for the money. Wasn't there a point in the documentary where, um, <clears throat> excuse me, where the husband, the one that disappeared, tried to file a restraining order against her? Yes, he, he did. Yeah, but like it was, there wasn't enough evidence to really file that restraining order. Yeah, there's definitely not enough evidence for it now. Oh, 
because I, he was talking about how like she's very aggressive and dangerous towards him, and uh, once he disappears, you know, there's, there's a lot of weird waiting period. He's cleared legally with Ezra, sort of gets all of his assets, and sort of. Well, like, well, first she uh, changes the will yes. to where it's uh, in the event of his disappearance, not death, death, death or disappearance, which of the lawyer they interview, which I think was his lawyer. Yeah, it was but his lawyer. They, he he said, like, in all my years of professional experience, that never has happened. I've never seen that happen. He's like, why why do you plan on someone disappearing, you know? There's all these different rumors that maybe she fed him to tigers or did she buried him underneath the septic tank at her sanctuary. He's the, under the septic tank. Because Joe Exotic really takes in this narrative that she killed her husband. He runs with it. And, and he's just obsessive with sort of like attacking her because they have this animosity because she doesn't believe these wildcats should be sort of like pay for play. And that they're just, just for like just live out their existence in these sort of sanctuaries until they expire. And then they're sort of like not to be sort of like passed around as sort of like these like commodities or for like toys for viewership. Yeah, but the big issue I have with Carol Baskin, though, is like, yeah, that's an admirable, admirable, you know, goal. But like, she's not making any effort to like, like all the shots they showed. And this could just be the documentarians being very selective with their footage. But like all the cages and stuff they showed from Carol's uh, place was, I don't know, to me, much more dog shit. Dog shit than <laughs> Joe's, and I mean Joe's wasn't well, great, so you know. Yeah. Joe, Joe's purpose of his sanctuary was to show off the cats, while hers is to just yeah, and, and, and profit to, off of it is to cage them away from everything. So I, I was reading. Yeah, but I mean, she was, she profiting, was profiting off it of it too. But the thing is, though, is that like they made it seem like she was always profiting off of it. But the thing, I, I'm I looked into it a little bit, and I don't think that the the events where she brought in a bunch of people to come and look for the cats and look at the cats was every single weekend. Um, now I'm not saying that she was a good person by doing this, but I, I don't know if I don't know how much of that money yeah. went to the sanctuary and how much of it went to actual profits or whatever. We don't know. Um, they never spoke about the money or numbers. However, I don't think it was very often. I think it was very, very, very few times, and they only let them travel on the safe spaces. But the thing is, though, is that like. My understanding of how her plots of land work are the cages are surrounding the giant plots of land while the tigers roam throughout that entire giant plot of land. It's kind of like a cow pasture in a way, but for tigers. Um, that way that they can have as much room as they can have in, you know, in, a, in that environment. Right. Yeah, to, and that's to kind of run around and Tini's do their tiger shit. The documentary is because they're out in the fucking woods in, on her property. And yeah, well, and, and that uh, one thing I was uh, saying earlier, I think I was the document. I think it shows the bias of the documentarians because they really focus on uh, that little area where they have the bowl that's in the smaller cage where they stick their head in. And it's like, oh, that, this yeah, is this is really fucking cruel. That is, but but that, the thing yeah, is, though, is that like that's such a specific thing. Why would she do it that way? And that makes me think, like, maybe there is a specific way that she knows about through her own research and through working with other other conservationists to understand why she's doing it. I don't know why she's doing it. Why, why would, out of all the things that she could do, why would she just put their little heads into that small space for food? And I, I don't know the reason. Maybe there is a better reason for <laughs> yeah. that. But I, I don't think, like, if she was making money off these animals, she wouldn't do that. 
to just show people how cool she can be. Like, there's a specific reason for those little holes, and you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, there's too many small little things. Of no, don't get me wrong. Like, and the thing, well, yeah, that, like it makes much more sense to me that a space that runs off of donations, that runs off of uh, very sparse weekend tickets. Um, would be more ratty. Like if you ever, if you ever seen a a, a nonprofit or a or a uh, or a conservationist area, <laughs> yeah, like, they're not making that much money, and I don't know how much they're making. But you know, it goes the quality, the the money gets split between certain things, and so like obviously her facility is going to look a little bit more rundown, a little bit more ratty, because her money is. Uh, the money is going towards feeding the animals, making sure they're okay, and also the visual aspects of the animals are going to be on the lesser end of things. Um, I have a, you know, you know, the the consensus right now on the internet is yeah. that Car- Carol Baskin killed her fucking husband. Yeah, and I I I don't think I've really met you anyone who thinks otherwise. The only I'm lying. I think he killed him. She oh. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was about to say. I was like. It's just like, I don't know, there was just something just off and eerie about her during the whole show, like her body language, the way her eyes moved, like her weird laugh. She, it was definitely like very fake. It seems very detached. Yeah. Yeah, like, and her eyes were just like dead eyes. Like, even during the disappearance of her former husband, like, she just didn't really show emotion. Cool. Like, that, that's something interesting because they interviewed that husband's family, like his wife and his daughters, and it just—it's been what twenty years since he's gone missing, something like that. And even after all that time, they're still emotionally affected by it. Right. Of course, they have a, a other layers because their that their family—he was—he abandoned them for her, Carol, but, and he had a fuck ton of money. And so, so, the, but the, even then, even talking about the disappearance, they still showed some sort of. And your reaction to it, and Carol just sort of seemed kind of blithe about the whole thing, which is that that definitely seems a bit odd to me. It's like you know, if if they can have a reaction, why doesn't she? And and just just going on like I guess the consensus of Carol's guilt. From what I've seen, I've seen a lot of people say she's she's not a good person. She's like definitely hypocritical. She's definitely exploitative. Like the way she treats her volunteers definitely seems very sketchy. But to me, what I've seen the biggest pushback on Carol's side is that. People are definitely sort of rallying behind that she was like she was groomed by her first husband. She he was she was like nineteen and he was middle aged, and so like she was sort of like in an unequal relationship with her first husband. And people sort of like, hey, she was she was a she was abused and groomed, and therefore they're a little more sympathetic if she to her case. Because like there's definitely people who sort of take her as like the worst of the three, which. I don't believe. Yeah, I definitely don't yeah. think she's the think worst of the three. And, and like, I, I will agree. There was definitely a lot. There was a lot more sympathy for her than I think for me, anyway. That more than most people. But like, at the same time, like, I mean, an abusive background and stuff like that. That's good to understand, you, you know, and you know, sympathize and maybe even empathize with that person. But their action actions aren't always justified like you know just because you just because they have like a genuine like plight and an abusive background that doesn't excuse anything that happens that they do later in life that's bad like you can't you can't write off someone killing or exploiting people just because you know they were possibly sexually groomed or abused earlier in their life that doesn't there's you can't just like write that off 
Yeah. I'm having flashbacks to the New Jack episode right now. <laughs> fuck you, New Jack. I know you're not listening, but fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing up that interim husband between her first and her third, uh, what what makes sort of like her story maybe more, more cryptic and sinister is that her second husband, he also filed restraining orders against Carol about she was abusive. She was uh, sort of, he felt, he felt unsafe and even her own daughter warned her sec that interim husband again about her and then he was he was saying things like well what happens when uh your, your first husband comes back well no dead men don't talk and then there was another thing where human remains were found at a holiday inn nearby when that was sort of mentioned in conversation to carol she said i hope that doesn't come back on me yeah so there's definitely there's definitely a lot of woo oogie boogie stuff surrounding carol yeah and, and even if it's not, I mean, that, that definitely is not a good, like, unlike Joe, who is, char- like, this really charismatic and is able to get you on her side, I think, like, part of the reason why everyone had such a visceral reaction to Carol Baskin was of how uncharismatic she was. And, and just how, like, what like we've been saying, she's just, like, un- like uncomfortable, yeah. unsettling, just... Like, a crazy cat lady on steroids. Like, you just... I don't know. Like, it was... I, I would not want to be in a, a room alone with her. Whereas, like... To me... God, no. I wouldn't say I would want to have, like, a drink with Joe. Because Joe is an awful person, too. But, you, you know, he, he's definitely more... He he, ha- he has a quality about him that, that can make you forget some of his imperfections and, like, bad behavior. Yeah, if only for a little bit. And I think now that we talked about Carol, I think we need to talk about Doc Antle, who, who seemed to get like an in, like an insufficient amount of time or unproportional amount of time devoted to him because we're he he's possibly one of the most devious people in the entire show. Out of the yeah. three, in my opinion, he's the worst. I agree with that one as well. Because uh, Doc Antle was this man who owns like the like obviously the most upscale animal habitat in in the show. And he has like all these like like all these like big animals, cats, like lions and tigers and bears and like elephants and whatnot. And so like he has like, he lends out his animals to like many Hollywood productions, like they said Ace Ventura, like Britney Spears, like all these big shows. But what makes his sort of thing very like unnerving is that his his staff is is like mostly young women, like dressed in like very like sexually revealing like outfits and this is this weird like power play that he has over them so like exploiting their like affection for animals like not paying them well and sort of just like has this weird like domineering aura about the entire place aka he's running a fucking sex cult basically like forcing well I, i i guess forcing not really but like well i mean he's definitely uh uh i can't think of the word but i mean it's more or less like Kind of strong arming them into yeah. it, like he made uh, someone get breast implants. Because in, in the show, we we were met with like a former employee of his sort of group, and Barbara so, Fisher, that was her name. And she's sort of like she's obviously very cared very cared deeply about these animals, but then we, when she started to realize that I I felt I was cut off from all the people in my life. Even her father, who drove her there, is like, "Yeah, this guy is kind of sketchy. See you later." And she just he just drops her off to live there. Well, and not like, even the, he he like her dad wasn't like like uh, hey. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I was like trying to talk, and you guys kept talking. I was like, 
Uh oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't hear me. Anymore. Yeah, I, I, like. Uh, so Pat, you may have to go in and do a little bit of editing uh, in there. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, we we start we stopped I stopped hearing you after or when we started talking about Doc Ant. Yeah, you've been quiet for a while. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was I was trying to tell y'all about Carol Baskin. I was like, yeah, there's some shit. That, that, and I was like, wait, they they're they can't hear me. Um, <laughs> give me one second. Uh, so uh, you're still recording, right? Yeah, yeah, we're still recording. Okay, so Pat, there may be some things you need to you need to go back and edit. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Um, uh, he's like, we, we were talking a little bit, so we're gonna backtrack a bit. So Cody, you can make your point about Carol. Yeah, so uh, Carol, so we were talking, you guys were talking about how, like, you know, the abuse and stuff has led her to this um, this life of murder that could lead to a life of murder is not excusable. And I agree completely that, that nothing excuses murdering and uh, all that nature. But I, I think one thing that people are forgetting is that she was dirt poor for all of her mm-hmm. life. Yeah. She was backwoods, dirt poor person all of her life. She, you know, grew up poor. They talk about her growing up poor. She grew up, uh, she even married married into a poor family. She, Her husband was poor. They were just dirt poor. And all of a sudden, she meets this man on this, I forgot what avenue she called it, but after doing some research, I found out the the street that she was found on is a popular prostitution street, by the way. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, it, it was he- it so, was heavily implied that uh, the rich husband was, you know, you know, scoping for. He was out. He was out looking. Yeah, because and, they said in the uh, documentary that that husband from her his previous family had a wandering eye, so like he wasn't a great person either. And like in that documentary, that recreation, like, was didn't she like? go to a hotel with him, like, that same night when he found her. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, she, he was, like, hold me at gunpoint. Yeah, and, yeah. And and he's like, I just need someone to talk to with my dick. So this relationship was toxic from the beginning. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, but, no, yeah, so this is, a, that was one of the interesting things that I found out was just, like, that street that she was on in, I think it was in Tampa, is, or near Tampa, is known to be a heavy prostitution street and she said she got in a fight with her husband and was walking down the street and and then got picked up by him and I don't know like I, I'm not saying I mean like if I'm Carol if I'm Carol Baskin and I'm fucking crazy and I am unhinged which she kind of comes off as at times yeah and I have this prerogative to keep these animals safe or I have this idea I don't and here's my thing I think she I don't think she's abusing the animals I just don't I think that the documentary skewed it to look at look like she was equal parts, but like like I said before, it's hard that like why did I, there's a lot to that. Like I just don't think she was abusing the animals. I think the animals came first, and I still think the animals do come first in her life. However, I think she did def. I don't know if she killed him or if she had anything to do with that, but I definitely think that like that mentality of I can't go back to poverty. I can't let this to happen to me is a driving force behind someone enough to let them commit murder or or you know like yeah money is money is to me money is the driving force in that like the main driving force in the 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 murder yeah not the cuz like cuz I mean, even if it's a, like i mean yeah it's a, it's also about the tigers but it, it's it's for the it's for the money to you provide know for r- provide for the tigers yeah so I don't think she was abusing the tigers at all. I don't know how. I don't know if that to be true, but I 
in my personal, from what I've, I, I think that she is the least of the evils when it comes to these tigers. I think that most of the, like I said, most of the tigers that Joe Exotic had, I don't know if they were being fed properly. Oh, no, they Doc weren't. Antle, no. You know, gasses them. Doc Antle is another interesting character. Um, yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Who keeps women in horse pens. God, that, like we were saying uh, earlier, like, in my opinion, he's the worst of the three. Be- yeah, yeah. Just because of how fucking, and I mean, he always kind of had that weird, slimy quality about him. But like, I, I, you know, like when you they first show him, it was like I was saying earlier. Like, he seems like the most sane, and, and then they they just casually drop the nugget. It's like, oh yeah, he has like fourteen wives, and I was like. Okay, hold up. Something's amiss here. And then it was like, yeah, he's running. He's running a fucking sex cult. And how like he works. Like he's kind of like he's doing this thing. So like this weird passive aggressive thing was like, like no one really takes time off. It's like, well, yeah, you can take time off, but you know the tigers will still be here. They'll still need the help. And sort of like this this guilt tripping way to to make people just like. Like give up holidays, give up you know their free time, give up their family, just sort of all, all take care of the tigers, and it's just like he he just uses them for the labor. He pays they work like he say extremely long time to get paid like a penance for because, that. Because didn't they say they got paid like a hundred dollars a week? Yeah, yeah. It, I think it, between it, his uh, his place and Joe's place, like they got paid shit. I like from a hundred to hundred and fifty dollars a week. Yeah, like Joe's Joe wasn't much better in that regard. Yeah. But then you had Carol, who had her volunteers. Yeah, and then that, and that, and this could, like, once again, could also just be the documentarian's bias. But it, it definitely seemed pretty exploitative in that regard, as far as Carol. Well, yeah, it was like a tiered system of uh, of volunteers. But like, I don't know, man. It's kind of difficult to judge that because I mean, I mean they're like they volunteer. Yeah. If it's a nonprofit group. And they're working to to get this up and running. Like, and they're like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's, I don't know. I don't know if they're a nonprofit group or not. And I, I should look that up. I'm gonna look it up and see if they're a nonprofit. If uh, Carol Baskin's Big Tiger Rescue. Hey, cool cats and kids. Uh, <laughs> uh. See if that is uh, a nonprofit group. But if if they are a nonprofit, it is perfectly reasonable for them to have volunteer come. And then the ranking volunteer, like how you have to be five years to work in this regard and you have a blue shirt, like that shit is what, that's what drives volunteership in a nonprofit. So Yeah, like. Like, I, like, I, like I know it sounds like bullshit. It's like, oh, yeah, she's profiting and, like, I don't know. Oh, oh I, I, a lot of it. There, there was definitely a, a lack of information on that regard. It was just kind of like, look at this. This is kind of shady. And I, it just and like 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 what we've been saying that they're with with the with these documentaries and just like documentaries you know, like we we're the only reality we we're getting from it is just like the reality that they give us and and that isn't to say that the parties involved aren't you know malicious or at least selfish in what they do it's just like we kind of have to take take it with a bit of faith and a bit of grain of salt at the same time like there's definitely there's definitely some stuff about what the people do in the show that's kind of like irrefutable. And if it gets at the same time, there's just there's there's still some pieces that we just don't know. Yeah. By the way, it is a nonprofit. So okay. 
I mean, they and you got to understand is they they probably get funds from these other organizations, and then those people get they do audits on these sanctuaries and things like that. So, like, if they're a nonprofit, I don't know what you know. I can't. I don't know what their funding is from, where their funding is from. If they're giving government like government conservation stuff, if they're getting uh, independent conservation stuff, they're getting audited. So they're having people literally come down there and make sure these tigers are in good condition. And not only that, but that means that their books are being double checked by the government and by other by these other organizations to make sure that they're not profiting off these tigers. So, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, and that was something that was even mentioned in the documentary. It was like every time they would come to, uh, you know, inspect her place, you know, she would always pass. Yeah, and that, but the, but that's the thing is, it's like my my. The, it's not just one group that's inspecting. Yeah. It's basically every single funder would have to come and look at their stuff and be like, oh, you pass or you don't pass. And, like, she passes. And if she's passing, that means she's not making – I mean, she probably, she does have a she does have a salary, okay? How, how much of that salary is, I don't know. Yeah. But they are – I mean, they're making money. They're, they're making their salary off of it, but it's a nonprofit, so they're not, like, making exorbitant amount of money off of this, off of this business. Yeah. So I just don't believe – I just personally don't believe that Carol Baskin is – I think she's just – I think she's the craziest of cat ladies. And yeah. And I think she just really loves her cats. <laughs> I just really do. I think I think she really loves these cats and would do anything for them, including murder, uh, for them. I don't know. You know what? I'm I'm Team Carol Baskin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Joe. Well, I think uh, we, can, we can go further down the line now because – because after after we sort of have this exploration of like Carol and Doc Antle to an extent, we start to like delve more into like the growing cult of celebrity that Joe is sort of putting around himself because he's sort of he's 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 very smart when it comes to like you know making himself well known and sort of like building this sort of presence around himself. And he has this he has this documentarian come in and sort of film everything he's doing at all times of the day that he puts up on a on a streaming service that he does so like. So he's sort of like putting himself out there. He's building up the zoo. He's giving us this notoriety. Are you talking about the uh, the reality show producer? Yeah, Rick. Yeah, who who apparently has a documentary where he is the subject of. Yeah, it's it's about his cocaine addiction. I believe so. Yeah, I think he like used to work for Inside Edition back in the day and oh, wow. did all kinds of stuff. Like he like he has a, a pretty solid resume, and he, he thought filming Joe because like he's like Joe's filming his own stuff and then Rick's filming a, like a, a, a simultaneous show and like Rick was this was going to be Rick's like retirement it's going to be my, my big break because I found the craziest person in the west that I can just go build this whole show on top of and then and then from there we sort of like start finding the more deplorable things that Joe Exotic's doing like he has all these sort of live-in caretakers and sort of like how they sort of live, subsist off, you know, like expired Walmart meat that the tigers also eat from. And he also sells to the to the public as pizza. Yeah. And then they're also living in these like, <laughs> like rat in this shithole apartments, like on the property of the zoo too. And like, yeah, he helps people who are like out of jail and sort of like gets them on their two, on two, back on their feet. But at the same time, it is, it does still very, feel very predatory and ex, it's exploitative. Yeah, it definitely. Are you still there, Cody? Yeah. Uh, okay. 
You weren't talking for a bit, so I was like, oh, did it cut out again? No, no, I'm here. I, I'm thinking, like, you know, uh, speaking about the pizza thing, I gagged. Cause I was oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, my that, God. Knowing my ass, on a, I love going on road trips, and if I see a sign for Joe Exotic, if I saw his fucking face on the side of a road, I would have stopped, got me a slice of pizza, and like, with this tiger. I'm sorry, that's just the type of person I am. Yeah. So yeah. my ass would be eating that spoiled meat. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, but, but like when you see them like back up the 18 wheel and just like shovel out like you know all just like Florida hot like meat with like just g stripping out, and then you have like all the characters like scrambling to get their cut of the of the of the meat. It's just so like it's just unsettling. Yeah, is. And I love the 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 cut for where they they're talking to Doc Antle, and he's like, "Yeah, it takes like ten thousand dollars a a month to feed a, or or was it like a hundred thousand dollars to feed a tiger for one month here?" And then it cuts to Joe Exotic. And I only need three thousand dollars to feed all my tigers for a year. Yeah, that was a really yeah yeah. It was it was like. Do- ugh. Yeah, Doc. Also, speaking of Doc Antle again, how they were driving down the road in his on his property in the, his little sanctuary, whatever it is, and as you're driving through, you see, oh yeah, that's my one girlfriend's house. That's my other girlfriend's <laughs> house, and they're like mansions. And I'm like, how can I get in on this action, Doc Antle? I'm like, how long do I have to live in the horse pen? <laughs> because like you have all these house. women living in like basically stables, and then like maybe I'll graduate to the big house. We live with Doc. Yeah. I really felt bad. First of all, the lady that they had that has had escaped Doc Antles, she had a very cozy home. I was very, I felt very comfortable in her house uh, <laughs> yeah. during the documentary. And two, I felt so bad for her because she was genuinely sad about the tigers. And that's the thing is that like they fell in love with the tigers, and I don't know. Well, and Doc then is so and then there was that one tiger she really got attached to, and the tiger got attached to her. And then, you know, Doc Antle was like, guess I'm taking this one out around back. Because, like, he... Literally to a gas chamber. Yeah. Because he had this thing, this this sort of, this thing where he would have these, the, the tiger cubs sort of, like, go for these, like, little play dates. they pass them around to be petted. And, like, I want to say, like, graduate, like, six months. And just like, oh, we just don't ever see these tigers again. Where'd it go? Who knows? Yeah, and uh, because, he was killing those tigers. Yeah, because there was this very brief window of time where... He, you can safely, you know, handle a, 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 a tiger before it's like, you know what? I'm going to eat your ass. And not, and not, and not in the good way. Yeah. And, um, we will just go on just like, um, more, more like Joe CD behavior. Like he sort of, has his husband that sort of works and lives on the property and how he sort of conned this, this young man into being in relationship with him with the, like the love of tigers and, and meth. Basically he like took a straight man and made him be in a gay relationship with him. He got two straight men. Like he met, um, what was the first one's name? Was it John? I think he, that sounds right. Yeah. That sounds yeah John right. Finley. He, he was fresh out of high school when they met. Just yeah, like, and he was significantly older, right? Like 
like 30 something at that point because like he because he lived with joe for what 10 years that's what like a long time plus yeah something like that Mm -hmm. and then there was travis and how he was like you know 19 when joe found him and that sort of like in a similar respect like like he, he he found a young man that was like had a predilection towards substance abuse and sort of just like pumped him full of uh, like drugs and just sort of like led him around and sort of like somehow was able to con him into, into marriage. It's like they all, all three of them got to, to married in this weird polyamorous like a, this like control of relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little fucked up. Uh, especially considering both men were, I guess, I don't want to, I mean, straight, quote-unquote. Yeah. Or at least how, identified as heterosexual at this point. Yeah. And how Joe basically, and I felt bad for Joe for this, because, like, small town Oklahoma, like, what are your options, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and I did do some research. I've been doing some research on... Uh, I did some research on the dude that he's married to now. Dylan? And apparently still married to. Yeah. And that dude is actually gay. So. Yeah, he. Good job, Joe. You did it. Um, <laughs> Third time's the charm. He only had to ruin the lives of two other men to get to, like, an actual gay man to marry. It's like, the funny. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing to me was uh, <clears throat> they, they interviewed him because at, at one point in the show, I believe, like, he, he knew that. Uh, I don't know if it was John or Travis. He knew that they were straight, but then he pulled out an old ass Ron White joke out of his back pocket. He was like, "Hey, when you watch porn, do you like a man oh. to have a little weenie or a big old weenie?" He's like, "Oh, I guess a big. Well, I guess you ain't all that straight." That is pulled straight from Ron White's stand-up special. I was yelling at yeah, the TV. Yeah, like, I was like, "Did this motherfucker really copy Ron fucking White?" And, and then like the, the old kid was just like, "Well, I guess not." And he's just like, "You got me. You got me, Joe." Well, did a ring on my finger. And didn't uh, and this, I think this is kind of hearsay? But didn't someone they interview say? Say that Joe said it was like, "How much meth uh, does it take for you to suck my dick or something what? like that?" What? Or I could have dreamed that. I mean, it's not far <laughs> out of the realm of possibility. I mean, that's essentially show. what happened. He, they gave him enough meth and just like, or kind of like dangled it on, on a fishing line over his over his over his cock. It's like, I'll give you this this meth. You, if it, no, if no, you no. Do you see, deed. he, yeah, had, he like, had it dangling off of his Prince Albert. He had the meth like a Christmas yeah, ornament because he just casually just drops hang. that. <laughs> and it's a, like he has like a padlock he attached to that he hangs over his bed. Sometimes I put... <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I don't wear underwear. <laughs> he, you see, Cody, he should have added that to his campaign spiel. He goes, I'm broke as shit. I don't wear underwear. I got a Prince Albert on the tip of my penis, and I put locks on it sometimes. It's like, <laughs> how do you think I got my bus here? I pulled it with the hitch on my dick. <laughs> there are people that do oh, that. <laughs> uh, you got my vote, Joe. I mean, if somebody with eighteen ear piercings and one ear, yeah, of course, his yeah, because he because like, yeah, he he was he was covered in metal. If Magneto showed up in his camp, he'd be dead in a second. <laughs> like that fucking eyebrow ring wasn't even in the right place. <laughs> like, I, I, like have anybody? It was it was like it was dangling off. Like I stole it like a skin tag is like, what it was. I stole the fucking meme from Facebook and put it on my Twitter of just this little kid just hanging on for dear life onto like a bunk bed and it just says Joe Exotic's eyebrow ring on top. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yep, that you nailed it there, bud. Uh, 
Do we want to go ahead and, since we're on the subject of his husband's, talk about the incident with Travis? Oh, yeah, yeah, because episode five probably delivers like the most like impactful moment in the show because I I remember getting to this point and when it happened, it felt like I had never seen anything that raw in a documentary before because we're sort of leading up to the point we're sort of given this idea that Travis is extremely unhappy and feels very trapped in this relationship. How he's acting out, but he's just constantly doing drugs, just getting like more and more like like erratic in his behavior. And it sort of culminates in there's a bit of uh, security footage that we see Joe's Exotics campaign manager talking to Travis. And he's sort of like, they're talking back and forth, and he's sort of like, he's casually playing with a loaded gun. And it's like, oh, you know, blah, 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 this is not loaded, it won't fire. And then whether he meant to do this or it's a sad accident, Travis puts the gun to his head and he pulls the trigger and he and he kills himself. We don't see Travis actually die. You just see the campaign manager reacting to Travis's uh, death in that moment. And, yeah. it's, and it's the most haunting and chilling thing in the yeah, entire and, show. And not to be hyperbolic in any sense, but it did make me a little queasy just yeah. knowing that. And it doesn't show anything. You just see the campaign manager's reaction to it. But you see a flash. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. You see the flash, but you don't see like the blood. You don't see the body. You don't, you don't see because Travis and he's sitting directly underneath the camera that they take the footage from for that scene, and it's just like it's just he. They came in. He doesn't almost believe it even happened because it's just kind of like holy shit. This because yeah, he's sitting there for at least a solid minute before he like. Hey man, are you okay? Because I think the story is like I think it was like a Ruger, and apparently it didn't have a clip in it. He, I guess it was one in the chamber. He didn't know, but he go, oh man, I can't fire if there's no clip in it. Watch, and then boom. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you, oh God, uh, Liz and I were watching it, and the funny thing was before that scene even came up, like probably ten minutes before, I look over at Liz and I'm like, you know, we haven't seen any current footage of this Travis guy. Yeah, and and then that happens, and my jaw is on the floor for at least five minutes. Like I'm just like, oh my god, I, wow, this is insane. You know, like like watching like someone's like real time reaction to another person's death is just like, how how do you react to that? Yeah, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it, yeah, like Pat was saying, that is definitely probably like the biggest, I guess, gut punch of the entire thing. And honestly, that guy, I feel the worst for throughout this whole thing. The Travis, like I feel bad, like I feel bad for Travis, but I feel bad for the campaign manager for a lo- to a large degree. Oh yeah, he was just this kid, who, obviously a smart kid, um, mm-hmm. in this in this middle of nowhere town with probably not that much going on in his life, and like he not only gets to witness this train wreck and it was it was really funny because when I was watching at the beginning uh, I was when they they first showed the campaign manager he was like I was Joe Exotic's campaign manager uh, and it was the worst thing that I've ever done in my entire life and I was like haha that's funny and then you realize oh he witnessed Joe's husband shoot himself in the head and you're like oh fuck it really was the worst thing that's ever happened to him in his entire life and I feel really bad for him because I mean, he was smart kid in a in in a world of craziness and he just got 
don't know. He just got caught in the vortex. And then the... He got caught in the Joe vortex. Yeah, there... And then there are two separate interviews with, like, sets of interviews where one is where it was further in the past and, you know, he looks pretty well put together and then there's the more recent one and he just looks disheveled as fuck. No, when you see somebody commit suicide and you're getting paid in old expired Walmart baloney, that'll probably do it to you. Yeah. <laughs> how do, how if he's paying his people who work at the zoo like a hundred bucks a week? How much is a campaign manager getting? I'd be paid willing to bet week? little to nothing because if he if he didn't pay the people who wrote his songs for him, I drop. I don't. Oh. I can't imagine anybody else. <laughs> we haven't even touched on the and it says it before every fucking music video. Country music artist Joe Exotic. I mean, like, we still have so much more to go. I mean, this this could be a four-hour fucking podcast. God <laughs> almighty. If you, thought, if you thought our Final Fantasy episode <laughs> was a humdinger in length, like, th- this could top even that. Uh, but before we uh, uh, go away from the more morose shit, uh, especially the Travis stuff, the funeral. Duh, the the funeral, funeral. It was the most, that was so uncomfortable. That, I, that, that was the most Michael Scott thing I have ever seen. But, and just when he was like, he's like, I'm just going to miss his balls slapping my face. Balls and just like, like golden nuggets to, in my forehead. He, he made Travis's funeral about himself. And then the, it cuts to Travis's mom and she is just and like, and I'm like, I don't blame you, lady. Because he's t- well, not only was she pissed, but she's like tripping on something as well. Like you could tell. Yeah, yeah. she was like, not like she was definitely not like obviously she's distraught, but she she was on something to just trying to get by because she was. You know, it was just like two little gold nuggets just slapping my face. And then he sings one of his his lip syncs at the funeral. Oh, I didn't even put that one together because all the music videos. I'm like, he, wow, well, he's not. I don't not know. It, it, like the 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 singing at the funeral sounded significantly worse than his uh, music videos. I would not be surprised if he actually sang, or if he was, or if they put it, or he was lip singing and also singing at the same time. Like he, <laughs> was, yeah. like he was just he drifting was in and out. It was very reminiscent yeah. of that scene. Like, I, I swear to God, I don't know if, if y'all watched Eastbound and Down. I know we've talked about this before. I, I haven't. There's a, a one of the characters in the show. Uh, it show it stars Danny McBride. Danny McBride has to be Joe Exotic if they ever make this a movie or a TV show. But there's a scene where his best friend, like I think, overdoses, and he goes to the funeral. And he shows up with a fucking boombox, just like blasting music, and like puts it on top of the coffin. He's like, "Y'all, I know he's my best friend, and you know, he's dead, but I just want you to know that I'm still alive." And starts playing "Alive" by Pearl Jam on the boombox, <laughs> and, and his fucking family just flip out and break it, and he like darts off. I'm still alive, and run, I'm like, "Oh my god, that!" I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, in that scenario, if that the real funeral or the, <laughs> the Eastbound and Down funeral, but I was like, oh my God, this is very much art imitating life here. It's crazy. I think somebody even memed it up. It's like Joe Exotic at Travis's funeral walking out. Hey, baby, I'm to treat me oh so bad. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. And then, like, I still can't get God. it. Oh. I can't get over the funeral. I really can't because it was all about Joe. It was all about Joe once, and and you look over into the crowd of people just sitting there, just just fucking kind of flabbergasted at what they're watching, and the mom is 
and I hate to say this, but like maybe she was just grieving, but she really was tripping hard on something. I, I mean, it could probably it was, just be like you know some sort of SSRI to like calm her nerves because it 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 reminded me of do you know and I hate you know the I don't want to say this, but you know the people around where we live, the pill people, the people who who get prescription medication and abuse them. Yeah. yeah. That's what her actions, like, I think that's immediately what I saw was that interaction. And yeah. that kind of, that was just like, I felt, I don't know, like, it was Travis, it was a travesty. It really was. I mean, like, oh, come on. You can't make a friend about somebody's funeral. Oh, oh, oh. Travis just got caught up in the Joe Nato. And- <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and, and, you know, it all went downhill. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, continue Even on. the dogs upstairs are reacting to that one. I, can just hear. <laughs> I, I just want to touch on this, and uh, it's it's going to go back to something that happened in episode two, but in, in the funeral, he's wearing, like, one of those Catholic priest collars, like that little white thing. So he oh, has yeah. a he has gear for every goddamn occasion apparently because when <laughs> when Seth gets his arm taken off he whips on a fucking EMS bomber jacket quicker than you can say I got an eyebrow ring on my dick and <laughs> I'm never gonna financially recover from dude that. we didn't touch that like oh yeah my God. that's the first thing out of his mouth when Seth gets his arm ripped off I'll never financially recover from this somebody online has gotten a, a personal debit card made and it's that shot with the caption I'm never gonna financially recover from this at the bottom <laughs> fucking beautiful well then on top of that you know he he goes to the visitors to the park and in my opinion, he does not. He just like escalates the situation by being like, "Well, guys, one of our workers just got fucking mauled." Um, it's better to hear it from me than the news. Yeah. If you want a refund or a rain check, just let me know. Let me put my EMS jacket on real fast. Yeah. Like, and this is a guy who ran for political office. He has an attire for a funeral and an attire when somebody you know gets a body part taken off but when he's running for like president and governor it's just like fucking just crazy yeah wearing my my flashy like rock from 1999 shirt goddamn broke as shit <laughs> <laughs> the thing the, the other cool the other no, I don't say cool cruel thing about, <laughs> about the whole thing was Whenever uh, the, the the fucking the, the tiger mama was having babies, and they just got like a a, a cold fucking rake stick, just just, out of yes, <laughs> it's like he's like he's like hey, point it at her ass, point, it's, it's, her it's, ass. It's, point that at her ass right there. And then yeah. when the tiger baby just like shoots out like a bottle rocket, he just like <laughs> he just he just gets like these like like buffet tong and just like grabs the damn thing out. Mm. It really makes Joe exotic, man. And, I, well, on, and then to stay on the funeral for a little longer, like he marries Dylan like two months later. Like he says, "Oh, I'll never recover from this. Is this is the most like emotionally impactful thing I ever lived through?" And then two months later, he found some other t- barely out of his teenager boy to marry. Invites Travis's mother to the fucking wedding. Yeah, I was. It's not even a wedding, but she. Oh my god! He not only invited her, but got her to take photos with them 
just so that he could post them so that other people wouldn't question whether or not it was okay for him to marry her. Oh, my God. And then, yeah, and then like, after that, he just he just fucked off. He never talked to her again. And she just sort of left with the shambles of her life that her young son is dead. Yeah, and, and that, that was sort of another bomb they kind of dropped subtly because, like, the way the shots are cut, it makes it seem like there's a significant amount of time that's passed for when he's starting to date. And then yeah. they were like, yeah, he married Dylan two months later. And it was like, wait, what? Yeah, I thought a significant amount of time had passed, but no, not, no. A very insignificant amount of time has passed. And, oh, God. I know I know we're jumping yeah. out of order. Um, I know there's like one thing we need to cover before we get to the other piece of shit that we have not talked about yet. There's oh, a couple more pieces of shit. We haven't even shit. got to Jeff Lowe no, yet. No, we haven't God even. God damn. Like, um, the, uh, his producer. Like, yeah. with, and when all the footage gets destroyed, somebody burns down the goddamn studio. Which is which, which, which also connected. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I, I agree I with agree. that, too. Yeah. I'm offering a $10,000 reward for any information that can lead to this man's arrest or whatever. And Because all of Mac- Michael Jackson's gators were burned up there, too, yeah. along with my resources. Because, like, the realization, because I think he was, like, uh, the producer guy was talking to other people about making his Joe Exotic reality show. And well, he then, was shopping around the networks. Yeah, and he was, like... And then I guess Joe was with him or whatever. Yeah, because they like they filmed it with a I think a camera phone the whole time. He goes, "Well, we have all this footage," and Joe's like, "Yeah." And then they're like, "Well, what do we need you for?" Like, we have all the footage we need. And then like what? A couple days later, the fucking studio goes up in flames, killing like Michael Jackson's alligators. Yeah, and and then there was like the way those events lined up. It was it was in line with something. That had to do with the legal stuff with Carol Baskin, yeah. one of the lawsuits. God, I'd already too. forgotten about and, her. She was part of this too. <laughs> and then, and then, like Joe was conveniently out of town at a funeral, just the same day that the fire went down. So, like, it's just, it's just a very murky series of events. Yeah. See, it's, he just showed up at a funeral. He didn't know this person. He just had it sing. This is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, I heard you're looking for y'all. Heard about the the wedding singer? I'm the funeral singer. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you about little Jim Bob over here. Jim Bob, his balls are just like little gold nuggets. They're slapping my face. Who are you? <laughs> I tell this at every funeral I go to. It's like, sir, please leave. <laughs> and then it cuts to him, and he just has the fucking rigor mortis yeah. balls slapping him. Because, like, the whole Carol Baskin thing, I think it had to do with, like, you know, there's, like, footage of them going to, like, the front of her Big Cat Rescue, like, w- like wearing... Like dead rabbit outfits, like well, rabbit outfits with like blood on them, not real dead rabbits, obviously, but like shit like that. And because there was a lawsuit over Joe Exotic using like like making these flyers for his sort of traveling show, they were like very explicitly similar to advertisement that they had. There's yeah. like they have like reams and files and folders of like every sort of like miscreant thing he's done towards them they like they're like very litigious carol and howard yeah and and, it, and like the whole thing joe was trying to do was trying to steal uh you know google traffic away from carol that fucking bitch <laughs> <sighs> so i guess it's jeff low time huh <sighs> because uh you still there cody Oh no. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. I'm, here. I'm eating a mint, so I muted myself. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Because, like, how do we... I didn't want to just... Uh, 
Right, hold on, let's see if I can crunch. <laughs> get that ASMR. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to crunch in the mic, so I muted myself. Because like, how do we get to Jeff flows? Because like it, 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 after, after this, after the funeral, like Joe starts to get into, into like a financially dire straits. Because after his fail, both of his failed political uh, aspirations, he's sort of sort of diverting all, all the money he's he would put into his you know zoo towards that, and they both failed. He's just like very exorbitantly. Price and just like these big extravagant events, and sort of like it's left them in the red. And so he sort of takes, has Jeff Flo come in to sort of like help, you know, refinance the zoo and sort of like get it back on track. But then the person, the Jeff Flo, this character, he's a extremely devious and shady character right from the off. Yeah, I mean, he more or less cons Joe out of his part. So it's, I guess in order to keep from like going to the bankruptcy, he puts the zoo in Jeff Lowe's name and just sort of like through these wheelings and dealings, Jeff sort of like slowly accumulates all the property in the zoo and sort of like kind of pushes Joe out. Because I think uh, Jeff brings Joe to his uh, his mansion. Like he's like flashing off like all of his cars and his mansion, which turned out to be a rental like, God damn, how much does it cost to rent a fucking mansion? But um, apparently he wasn't like as, as big as Joe thought he was. And then uh, Jeff gets a fire lit under his ass because, you know, it comes to light about all the money from the zoo getting funneled into the campaigns. And there's like video shot. It looks like, again, from a cell phone of them just like fucking yelling at each other about it. Like well, more so Jeff yelling at Joe. Well, yeah, he's dogging uh, Joe out for just sort of like pissing away all of his money yeah. and so like because like he because joe is in danger of bringing jeff down with him because like they're kind of in it together or like jeff is the owner of the zoo and then like but joe's still spending all the zoo's money and he's like you're, you're like you're gonna run us out of business doing all this silly bullshit with the campaign well and then joe also basically bankrupt bankrupt his mother as well with all the lawsuits yeah. and stuff that made me real sad. I, same here. I was. I felt so bad for his mom. And then, sort of like, we, we start learning more about like Jeff's sort of CD past, like how he would like, how he had a connection with tiger cubs and stuff before this. Like he would take like baby tigers, put them in suitcases, sneak them up to hotel rooms for like big titty bitches to come play around with, and he's sort of like playing around with all these women and like doing all these little shady stuff and like. And so he sort of ingratiates himself deeper into Joe's life and, like, more and more into shady business as he's sort of, like, trying to rebuild the park as well. And and on top of that, Jeff Lowe looks like if a a monster can was wearing an affliction shirt was a person, it would be Jeff Lowe. Like, if if Jeff Lowe joined the—no, not Jeff, goddammit. If Jigsaw from the Saw movies joined (laughs) the Sons of Anarchy with a monster— sponsorship because like this dude's like what 50 like 50 something years old and he's wearing like tap out gear and affliction and all this fucking bullshit he like he like there, there, is, there is a no world he doesn't like radiate criminal energy like he, he just looks like uh if you got near him you'd get epi- hepatitis a through d he's a scary man he is a very scary man and I don't know, like throughout the, I, he made me the most uncomfortable. You could, t- he just seemed so sinister. And um, later on in the show, they talk about 
there's this other Chucky looking bastard. Page boy uh, motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Lee Garretson. Yeah, the dude who uh, <laughs> who apparently stole a Hummer and sold it to a guy. And owns all these like dirt these like dirt poor like strip clubs. Yeah, like no no like he's that dude weirded me out too. He, it was like Jabba the Hutt with like a, a page boy haircut. Yeah, James Garretson. James Garretson, excuse me. God, he, he yeah. He was like the the fat guy from Jurassic Park who gets eaten by the dinosaur that shoots the venom yeah. out and blinds him. Newman. Yeah, the guy who plays Newman in Seinfeld. <laughs> he just reminded me of a blonde version of him. The the one line from that show that like stands out to me the most in regards to this guy, uh, he he's talking. He's like, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, you got uh, the people who have monkeys. You know, they're they're a certain kind of crazy. But you have these big cat people. They're just nothing but backstabbing pieces of shit, which is very ironic coming from him, I might add. Because he's shady as fuck, too. Yeah, and I mean, he's the entire reason that Joe gets brought down, because he's the one who goes to the feds first. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't even we haven't even glossed over the damn, well, we have glossed over the, the fucking, you know, a murder for hire case that yeah, ultimately is, brings this whole empire crumbling which down. Which is basically the climax of this entire series. Believe it or not. They give them, <laughs> because it's like, like meth field Terminator. They give them <laughs> meth field Terminator $3,000 to go to Florida to kill Carol Bass. Because like after He's Travis's like, death, he gets like more and more paranoid and it's like, he, like his animosity with Carol is like ever building. So he, he, he so he gets in with like Jeff Lowe and that, 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 Allen, guy. that Allen guy who's Somehow even shadier looking than Jeff, and like it's like this weird, very shady, nebulous plan. And then like uh, Garrettson, he's involved in all this too, because he 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 catches wind of all this, and then they, they sort of like set out this weird plot into motion to kill Carol Baskins. This is honestly like dumbass Breaking Bad, uh, like <laughs> through and through. Like truly, like I can't help. I like everything. The more I'm thinking about this, this web of bullshit it's just like oh my god it's like if breaking bad it is as close to how it's as close to breaking bad writing itself as we're gonna it's like king of hill makes breaking bad vince gilligan has to be the showrunner if this ever becomes a tv series (laughs) this has to and you say that and then there's there is a literal guy named walter white who apparently cooked some of the best meth ever that actually existed whoa in bessemer i might add Oh shit! No way! <laughs> no, no shit! Look, look it up. A uh, Vice did a a piece on him. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Alabama represent. <laughs> I mean, plus like, it's amazing the, the the level of depravity and criminal activity that the South can just sort of put out there. I mean, going back a beat to like the Zanesville like pet guy just like let all his animals loose. We we got a taste of that too. And like when that guy let that boa constrictor loose last like. A couple summer goes in Alberta, which is like fifteen. No, that was last year. Last year, someone just let a giant ass boa constrictor out in the in the woods around Alberta, and just like I don't know if they ever caught the damn thing, but they people were seeing sightings because like pets were going missing, and this thing's just like ever expanding as it just sort of eating the the local wildlife. Just, no, that bitch is out there still. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna run up on that. You because know, I remember I like right I kind of hope so. Because I remember at our, at my work we had like literal snake traps out. <laughs> Alberta Burke's sister, if you're out there, come on our show. Tell your story. Oh God. 
Yeah, but Jeff fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying man. But I was saying, what I was saying was that later on in the show, at the very end, when Joe finally, and I'm going to just skip ahead a lot of shit, <laughs> when Joe finally gets goes to prison uh, for the attempted murder, or the attempted murder, well, partially because of the attempted murder of Carol Baskin, well, they bring most of most of the shit that goes against Joe actually comes from animal abuse stuff. Yeah, which, I mean, um, he should have went to jail for. Yeah, yeah, it's perfectly fine for that. And, uh, but, like, the the thing that he says is, like, I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm gonna let everybody know about what's out there, and there are secret railways that tigers are sent on, and all this other stuff, and that's very true. Most of the exotic animal trade happens, like, underground, just like drugs and sex trafficking. And a lot of times, sex trafficking, drugs, and animal trafficking all happen in the same ways. So there is a big, big chance that any information that Joe gives to get out of prison could possibly bring down a sex trafficking ring. And, and, and I don't know how to handle that. Yeah, and that's just, like, fucking wild. Yeah, because Joe does have a huge information, has, probably has a lot of information on it, and he's one big mouth motherfucker, so he's going to speak on it. And, and, like, who knows at this point how many sex trafficking rings or animal trafficking rings or drug, tra- drug trafficking rings he's already brought down just being like, there's one out there in fucking Oklahoma City, you know? So, I don't or know. Or, like, the, he um, has connections to because he, he's been, like, illicitly trading and selling tigers himself. Yeah, and so I imagine, like, the, I imagine, I can only imagine what might come of this, and, like, you gotta start thinking about, like, car, like the karmic, I don't know, balance there, like, how many, how many names does Joe have to give up before his sins are forgiven for everything that he's, <laughs> he's uh, all the He's like he's the, the redneck Takashi 6 9 or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. He's like, I definitely think... Even if you know Joe went ended up in jail because of like a, like a conspiracy between like Jeff Allen and James, like so like he's in jail. But I feel like he should still be in jail for just like a bunch of trumped up bullshit that he should have been caught on long before this. It's just whether or not like he's actually in, involved in like a murder for hire. That's sort of I guess for for the viewer to decide. Depending on what they're given in the in the show, yeah, it's definitely very nebulous on whether he did that. But at the same time, I mean, can you blame the jury for convicting him because he just couldn't keep his goddamn mouth shut? Like when he's shooting the fucking doll, the sex doll that he made of Carol Baskin, and like he has, just, has that pickle jar with like her head, like a a facsimile of her head in the jar. Yeah, and and like he actually sent snakes to her, and he's just. And, and all the time he's like, someone needs to kill that bitch. Someone needs to kill that bitch. Posting yeah. stuff on Facebook, I, f- I finally know where the bitch lives and like her property. Yeah, and, like, like shit like that. And like like finding like this like bike trail she goes up and down for her her writing or like to to film her vlogs. Like even if he didn't go through with it, there's still there's still so much like antagonistic, unsettling evidence against him that would have obviously led to his conviction. Yeah, and it was ultimately over, like, relatively petty stuff. Like, both of them just kind of dig dug their heels in the dirt, and then, you know, Joe just took it way too far. Yeah, I think Joe's biggest... 
Achilles' heel is the fact that he just won't shut the fuck up. He, like he just won't take no. a moment to to realize I'm a dumbass. I need to be. It's quiet. like that, and the fact that you know he literally had signs all through his uh, his zoo and his park that said I'm recording everything. Like he made it a point to say like. He had everything recorded, which I think ultimately led to the demise of his recording studio. Because like there, there was so much incriminating evidence yeah. against him, so he, he ended up torturing. I mean, they found that bug in, in one of their offices. Like, yeah, I forgot about that. Holy shit! The, the FBI was like tailing him, and then it just sort of like at the end of this whole story, no one got out of it unscathed or, or like or is better off because like you see like all these sort of extra characters that we haven't even talked to like the like the, the double amputee man with had the prosthetic legs they're the blonde haired caretaker oh, like Eric that Eric Cowie guy with the long hair man he, I felt so bad for him like, like they're, <laughs> how but, many wives does Doc Andle have man I, I, don't, I don't give, give a, a fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> see and here's the thing too it's just like Joe I, I said in our, in our in our Tiger King chat on uh, on Twitter uh, that uh I do think that Joe deserves a, uh, a redemption arc in a way, and I do. Th- I think he deserves one. And you know, uh, towards the end, right before he went to prison, there was a moment where he was crying. He was in tears, and he was saying that he had to send his two champions, champ, champions, chimpanzees, monkeys, <laughs> <laughs> two monkeys, down to uh, down to a Florida. Ironically, down to a Florida con- a conservation place, and because he had moved to a different place, trying to hide out from the law, which somehow they, the camera guys found. Anywho, and <laughs> well, well, uh, I think Joe told him about it because he could because yeah. he could keep his goddamn mouth shut. Because that's when the documentarian like started to come back to light when all the shit was about to go down. He yeah. was like calling him like, "Where yeah. are you at, Joe?" Like, blah blah blah. But uh, the thing that gets me is that while when he said that he said they filmed the monkeys. The chimpanzees going out into the, the the their sanctuary, and he started crying. He's like, I looked at them, and I had kept them in separate cages for 12, 15 years. I don't know how long. He said. At least ten years. In, yeah. Yeah. I'd kept them in their in separate cages for so long, but as soon as they got out there, they hugged each other and held on to each other and loved on each other. And he was like. Have I really been keeping them apart for ten years? Have they really had that emotional connection for ten years? Yeah, it, and I've kept a wall between them. Yeah, it was the first and probably only time he ever came across as self-reflective and remorseful, remorseful for his actions. Yeah, and, and like unlike you were saying, I definitely kind of felt that whether whether it was genuine or not. I mean, it was definitely emotionally charged. Yeah, and I think that. I definitely think that he, and I think it was genuine because it was. I feel like it was genuine. I don't feel like he would come to that realization if it wasn't genuine. I think he was doing a lot of reflection because I did think he realized, okay, I'm at the end of my road here. Yeah. And I, and the thing is, though, is there's so much opportunity for him to have a redemption arc. I still think he's a piece of shit. I think he's a stupid fucking idiot who literally like did the dumbest things possible. But at the same time, I feel like there's so much room for him to be able to say, hey. Yeah, this is these are the people I know in this industry that are that are that are trafficking animals and other things. This is uh, you know, and then also working at, to to maybe even making up with Carol Baskin at some point. 
I don't know why. I don't know if I imagine this. I can't really remember the specifics, but I feel like him and Carol Baskin started almost, or he started actually like not hating Carol Baskin as much. Well, especially when he was in prison. Well, Netflix. Um, they recently uh, they got a you know a video phone interview with him from prison, and they released it. And he, they basically asked him. He goes, "So, what's going to happen with the whole Carol Baskin saga when you get out?" And he, he said, "He goes, I'm, I'm done with all that. It's, it's time to put that to rest." So yeah, and so yeah. it might be interesting to see him actually if he does get out, if he is able to get out before he dies. Because he was sentenced to 22 years. Yeah, which he'd be what 70. Because he was yeah. mid 50s when all this was happening. And then there's news going around that. But he I mean, it's interesting to see if he does get out and actually can go into con- conservation and actually helps to bring down some of these rings. I think that would be the most liberate. like, I don't want to say liberating, but that would be the most, that'd be the best ending for Tiger King, is for him to actually be, like, a king and, and like, you know, like, get your crown king, I don't know, like, I don't, do his thing to where he's able to... It, it would be the hap- it would be the happily ever after. It, it would definitely be, a, like, an effort for him to make amends. I mean, I, do I think him like devoting any time he has on the outside to conservation does that absolve him of things he's done? Absolutely not. But like it, it, with the time he has left, it'd be good for him to do something constructive if he ever gets out yeah. or yeah, and, and help fix. It may not may not even be the mistakes he made, but like help you know, fix the system that he was a part of. Because like, because like his can camp manager says at the end, like, like the thousands of thousands of dollars that Carol and Joe had spent battling each other and just all this other petty or silly extravagant bullshit. Like none of it went towards the animals because like we, we, because they say in the show, there's more animals, more tigers living in captivity than are already left in the wild. And none of that was spent towards conservation because even Carol, like is you know, high as she kind of puts herself, she, you know, kind of, you know, devoted all this time and energy toward her litigations against Joe and sort of like, it's like just, it just seems like an enormous waste, an enormous waste of resources and just like a waste of people's like lives because like I said, like I said earlier, all these people that sort of con- have been like coming in and out of the story, they're poor for it. Mm-hmm. Um, because you see, like the um the, the amputee the amputee man with um he was sort of, he just sort of lives out of a garage now and and the uh, the blonde haired caretaker like he looked absolutely haunted by the end of the show like just going through the trial and just seeing what happened to someone he thought was a friend someone who gave him uh, helped him when he was down like like I I won't forget that face that he made at the end he just seemed like a shell of a man and he was like visibly drunk talking about the good times of life and after the Senate scene and Saf lost his arm. He's sort of living in a very humble place. And it's, and it's really sort of tragic. All of it, just like the lives lost and the people who were like deeply affected by it. It's just, so, it's just so weird to think of what we saw throughout the course of this show. Yeah, and something we didn't talk about as far as with Joe is like, yeah, he was being exploitative, but like he was specifically targeting people who were, like out of jail or like homeless or like down on their luck, which like yeah, it was like in in one on one hand it's like okay yeah he's providing them an opportunity that they would not be able to find elsewhere, but I mean they were living in a sh- rat infested shack where there was only one yeah. one AC for the entire 
for all of them. And I mean, it was charitable, but I still mean, self-serving. It's in the middle of fucking Oklahoma. I imagine it's pretty hot. Yeah. So. But yeah, like 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 you were saying, I, I hope that he uses this time to stop making everything about himself and try to work to make the world a better place. I mean, that, the, the, all the ingredients are there. No. All the ingredients are oh. there. It's, it's going to take Joe actually. Although he is he is happier in the pig and shit about the success of the show. Like, <laughs> where has gotten out that he is like thrilled at how popular the show has gotten. Well, of course, because he's the most famous man in the world. Yeah, he. I, I'm looking um, at. Um, according to IMDb, uh, the only two people that were featured in all seven episodes were Joe and Carol. All the yeah. other ones were just like in you know numerous. Others. It was just the Joe and Carol show. Because I mean, the whole crux of the thing centered around their their antagonism towards each other. Yeah. So, but there, I guess there is some like good news. I mean, John, he he uh, he escaped and he's got a new set of teeth and a hell he, yeah. He covered up that bad tattoo right above his privates. Yes, property of Joe Exotic all above his ween. It was. <laughs> there's yeah. so much. There's just just even little details from this show. Like John just, was, it was like the entire time he was interviewed that he had no shirt on. Yeah, had no shirt on. He had like two teeth, and then and then they would cut back to like. It was even like footage from like five years before, and, and he still had his teeth. It was just sad seeing. Yeah, he was losing his teeth as the show went on. <laughs> yeah, but but he has now got new teeth, and he's 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 he's, he's got a new lady, and he's working as a welder, so he's turned around good. Okay, again, plus like I just feel like I'm just getting all these little bits of like miscellaneous like bacon fat, just from the show, like the blonde haired guy, like he's. He's pouring gasoline into a bucket while smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just stuff like that. God, and like, there's a bit I want to talk about that I thought was just bonkers is that, like, there's this whole wrestling dimension to this show that I did, I did, that I went down this, like, wormhole about because Joe Exotic ran wrestling shows on his zoo because he became friends with the former NWA promoter Robert. Langston, Langdon, excuse me, and they he because Landon was promoter of Texoma Pro Wrestling. They they ran shows there from the July 2015 to August 2017. And how they met was fucking bonkers because because Joe was putting on a tiger and monkey ball, which is like a gala he threw for like like big cat and exotic animal owners, and then. It, uh, he, he he struck up a conversation with Robert Langdon. They became fast friends so much so you can you can go back and watch and see Robert Langdon in, in the show because uh, Robert Langdon he gave away Joe at his second wedding. <laughs> wow! Wow! And then see the crazy thing about that is is like all of this shit reminds me of wrestling. Like of all the bullshit that you guys have told me about wrestling over the years, one thousand percent. This is wrestling to a T in my this, mind. This whole Joe Exotic thing is just wrestling. All of this was produced by Vince Russo. Not everybody knows this. Because, <laughs> like, I've seen multiple wrestlers say that, like, Joe reminded, like, well, they met Joe through the NWD promotions. Like, they didn't bat an eye when they met him because he, he reminded them so much of, like, all the weird, carny bullshit people that they encountered through them. And what I thought was crazy, I went and actually watched a, um, 
like their first wrestling show because you can because there are like 14 full length wrestling shows still up on Joe Exotic's YouTube page and the first one is like it's, it's actually a pretty good show and they even have like a big name from New Japan Wrestling um excuse me uh, Hiroshi Tenzan who's like a, he was a big name in the 80s and he's still wrestling now and he was on that show with it just like how the fuck did this all happen how they couldn't get Tiger Mask is beyond me seriously <laughs> but well, like another little tidbit from wrestling like um I, I didn't follow it like the the recent feud between AJ Styles and the Undertaker like there have been these pictures going up online of Undertaker like hanging out with these big cats turns out it was at fucking Doc Antle's place and it's like it, it's it, there, there are so many weird tendrils that just sort of weird intersections just branch out from this fucking monster of a show it's just it's completely bewildering like how many how many fingers and how many pies that he has this this his fucking things in like also i 100 percent uh believe that on a scale from on a scale from carol baskins to joe exotic that doc antle was 100 percent putting his penis in tigers Think, I believe he was fucking those. You think he was fucking the Tigers? I think I believe was, more so than anybody else on that show. He just seemed very like God. He was like half chub just talking about all these Tigers. God, I, that's the <laughs> yeah. thing about Doc Antle. I imagine if like his ugly dick looks like a hard-boiled egg, and he's just like making all those poor women in their cat suit bend over backwards to like pleasure him. It's just like it's. Because somebody on Twitter was like, does anybody else think that Joe Exotic was having sex with these tigers? And I replied, I was like, actually, I think it was more Doc Antle than Joe Exotic. Yeah. <laughs> God. Hey, fucko, we call it interspecies erotica. <laughs> Jesus. And like, God, there's, I feel like there's still stuff I wanted to talk about. Like, you know, Joe Exotic allegedly has COVID-19. and like, oh, yeah. And then we found out, and just like a tangent, like we found out about... On the about five days ago, that the first confirmed animal to have COVID nineteen was a tiger. Wow! And it's just like how how fucked up is the last three weeks been? And so uh, because you know the my phone is listening to me uh, on my my YouTube uh, suggested videos. Uh, David Spade, which I forgot, has a talk show now. You know, he's been recording, you know, his episodes from his house because, you know, everybody's on lockdown. He got interviews with a lot of people from that show. And he talked to uh, Rick, uh, his producer, well, Joe Exotic's former producer. And, like, apparently there was, like, some, uh, allegedly, there was some very uh, shady animal murders. Like, apparently Joe would just get mad and walk up to a tiger he didn't like and just shoot it in the face. Because he walked around with a fucking pistol. Yeah. Shot it right next to a camera person in one thing. Keep that camera on me. Just goes up and just pow, shoots it in the air. That bullet's got to go somewhere, jackass. Well, and plus, like, he was, he was playing with the gun. It, like, it went off when he was playing with it. And then he, he like, when Joe got a, attacked by the tiger in that pen, because, like, the tiger yeah. was kind of playing with him because they, they sprayed, like, perfume on his shoes and... The tiger was dragging him around. Like, he shot at the tiger. He pulled out his pistol and shot it. And then the, the big thing is about that whole scene when he's getting dragged around the tiger, not a single fucking person did anything no to help him. No one helped him. And then they cut to Carol Baskin where she says, uh, the tiger wouldn't go after him if if they had cologne. You really need to put, like, sardine oil or something on his shoes for the tiger. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that's not suspicious. That's very specific. It's like Carol, you're giving yourself away. God. Yeah, I don't know. This this whole show has. I don't know. I want to watch it again. Me, me too. I want to watch yeah. it again. See, I, I plan. I, I think. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say once once this coronavirus thing is over and we're back to we're back to we can actually hang out again. I think we need to get together the group and just rewatch Tiger King together. Oh yeah, it just is a big fuck all group. But as like little small tidbits, uh, I also I didn't fully understand what a simp was until I saw Howard Baskin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <That's pretty> cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, uh, I mean, she's got millions of dollars, so. Uh, do, do y'all want to um? Do y'all want to do a quick ranking on the worst people? Yeah. Wanna... Who who is like who who are the worst people in the show? Let, let, let's start with least worst to the worst. I want to keep. Uh, I I don't want to put any of the good people like the the long blonde haired guy, the amputee guy. I, I like the the legit shit heels. Like who are like unquestionably bad. You yes. Know. So we're talking. We're talking Carol. We're talking. Joe, Jeff, uh, Alan, uh, Garretson. Alan. Uh, I would say the uh, page boy, huh? Page boy guy. Yeah, Garretson. Oh yeah, Garretson. Yeah, the uh, the drug dealer guy. Drug dealer guy. I think the Scarface man's at the bottom of the list for me at least. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's the reason I put him on the list. Is like out of all of them, this guy seems like the least worst of them all. But I, I would probably say uh God, what I forgot his name, but the uh the drug dealer Wait, who's is it is it is Jeff Floyd a drug dealer? Is that who you're talking about? No, no it was No, a, the, the guy who was the drug dealer. Like they pulled up they rolled up yeah, the they rolled up to his guy. house. At first they wouldn't let him in, but then like he eventually let the people in. I think I lost track of that character. It, it was, was towards the, the beginning of the show. I'm trying to find him on this IMDb thing. He's is it? Is well, we'll come he, back to the, him. Yeah. Who, who's after that? Um, let's see. Mario. That's the drug dealer's name. Mario. Yeah. Uh, In Miami, the guy from yeah, Miami. yeah. yeah. Uh, next, I would probably say the big fat guy. Yeah, Garrettson. He like he's like he's like dirty and he's snitchy, but like he seems kind of mild by comparison. Uh, also, <laughs> can we just talk about that scene where it just cuts to him on a fucking jet ski? <laughs> like his his big ass is like skipping along the and they see the eye of Tiger plays out of nowhere, no context, just smash cut. To me, that was like the worst implementation of that song. Like, there are so many other uh, moments you could have probably make that work better. It's like, I think it was the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I lost my but, shit seeing that. I, I mean, I, I was at. Wor- I think it's important because at that moment, it was the it was the moment where Chucky had taken down Joe. It was the moment where everything had come together, and Chucky was the man of the hour. And honestly, like to me, it was perfect because it showed just how fucking ridiculous this man was, just how ordinary this man was, just how much of a shitbag he was, as he was just riding a, a sea doo. Lives in Oklahoma, by the way. I don't know how the fuck where he is with a sea doo, uh, and 
them playing Eye of the Tiger. I don't know. It's just like, I think it was perfect. I think it was poetic, and <laughs> honestly, it's better than Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed, one hundred percent. You're not wrong. We're still we're still mad about Rise of the Skywalker. I almost so. I almost drop kicked the entire uh, Rise of Skywalker display at Target yesterday. I was so angry. <laughs> so bitter. It, needless to say, it's still full. So I've got my list. Um, I think. Oh, I, I, the you I've you got, went ahead and ranked everybody. Yeah, I went ahead and gave my got my list. I, well, I've got I've got six people. Is that does that sound right? Well, guys? let me let me hold on. So uh, let me get I, my, my list, notes up. For my count, it's one, two, three, uh, four, five, six. Uh. When it comes to 100% shit heels, yeah, I have six. Okay. All right. So we probably have the same people then. Um, well, I included Scarface. Well, well never mind. Seven if you include um, Scarface. This is my list. Okay. So. So, or, or wait. So this is. So, okay, yeah. Go ahead. I, and aren't aren't so, we including like the methed out Hitman too? Alan? I was. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Alan. Alan. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Yes. All right, so um, I'm gonna add him in too. Okay, so do y'all want to hear my? Yes, list? go ahead. Go ahead. So starting from least worst to worst, number one or number I guess number seven. The this is hi everyone and welcome to Watch Mojo. Today we're gonna be counting down the <laughs> <laughs> people <laughs> Joe Exotic. Um, uh, so at number seven, I have Scarface. Um, I think that he was probably a bad guy at some point. Obviously, owning tigers and being an exotic breeder makes you a bad guy to some degree because you're valuing your love or your desire for the animals over the animals themselves. Uh, at number six, I'm putting Carol. Uh, Carol comes in at number six. I think she's the least worst. I think that her husband that she probably quote-unquote murdered was a shitbag himself. And obviously, I think that she was doing everything to protect herself and her calves. Um, I don't think Carol's a bad person, and I think that she actually cares about her animals. Um, at number five, I put Chucky because I think he, uh, I think he's a bad person. Out of seven people, I still think he's a bad person. But in this particular case of stuff, I think he's a sleazeball. I think he's a gross little 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 bastard. But out of this particular show, I don't think he's bad. I don't know what else he's done. Uh, I, I th- in the video. If, if for nothing else, I think he did the right thing in ratting everybody yes. else. Yes. Um, at number uh, at number four, I'm putting Alan because honestly, Alan, yeah, he's scary, and but he's ultimately if he's a gun. Right, that he's a he he yeah he's a shitbag person, but he did ultimately did not kill. Ultimately, he would got out of prison. He was in just a bunch of people. I just don't think that he's true. I think he's a bad guy, but I don't think that like in the context of the show, he deserves to be put at the very top. Yeah, uh, and and the thing with Alan too is I I felt like a lot of his stuff was posturing. It was definitely all yeah. talk, um, or it felt that three, way. My number three, I put Joe, and my top three are very close. Three, they're they're not weighted equally. They're all weighted nearly. They're they're very much like neck and neck. I don't like them. I don't like these three are are the worst. Joe is my number three. He was he, Joe's just a he's a dumbass bad person 
who is super egotistical and full of himself. Yeah, um, and, and his, two, his char- charisma is really scary, too. Yes. My number two is Jeff. Jeff is scary. Jeff is scary because he's still making money off of this situation. He, mm-hmm. I saw where he was doing... Uh, I forgot what that service is. It's where you can get somebody... You can uh, get like a like a, an actor or somebody to call and or make a message saying, Hey, happy birthday. Cameo. Cameo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cameo. They're doing cameos. Yeah, $150 a pop. Him and his wife. And, and, and then there was that one cameo where he, he just went off on this like communist tirade. Who? Jeff Lowe. Yeah, he, he's yeah, like, he, we need to redistribute the wealth and shit. And also, I felt like I jumped dimensions. Isn't Cameo where he said that there's possibly going to be an eighth episode of Tiger King? Well, he said, like, check out season two, we won't be there. Isn't that same, like, uh, a, a cap, like communistic uh, cameo he did? Yeah. And, and, the th- and the thing with me with Jeff is, like, he definitely seemed like a sociopath, whereas everyone else was really narcissistic and kind of solipsistic and just obsessed with themselves. That guy was just, I don't know, there was just something about him. He he seemed like a person that would be turning the knobs. He he's poking, pushing the buttons and turning the knobs. Like he's using, he's a, he's a very he seems like a very very smart guy. Yeah, he's he's definitely more like calculated and like low key and sinister and like his like bad behavior like he, he knows how to keep a low profile where everybody else is just like flying off to handle it and just drawing attention to themselves like he skirts under the radar all the time I think with him right and my number one of course would be Doc yes I think I think Doc is the worst of them all because he is flamboyant about it he's narcissistic he bases it off of religious pretentiousness and the way he treats women and how he create. he basically has a Sex cult, plus tigers, plus out in the open, and everyone just is like, "Hell yeah, let's go, Doc Antle. Let's go to Doc Antle's play." Like, he's a monster. He's a monster that has created an industry out of being a monster. He is mm-hmm. Jim Jones. If Jim Jones, I don't. He's Jim Jones. He he really he is, he like, is a cult he leader. Has own, he has. He literally has a gated. A gated community, like a gate, like a fenced-up plot of land, with vicious tigers protecting him from any sort of government-like raid. Which his place was raided, I think. As yeah. Well, after the, uh, but the thing is, though, is that like, like the man is scary because he, I think he had the sociopathic tendencies that we saw in Jeff and the egotistical tendencies we saw in. Uh, Joe and I think they put those together and you get this weird fucking scary man that that would that was being accused in his own home of leading a cult and he was okay with it to the point to where it was almost kind of eerie. Most people would be like, "Get out of my house! Don't say I'm running a cult." Like if a documentary person was started say, asking, "Hey, is this kind of cultish? A little sex cultish?" Most people would be like, if they were running a sex cult, be like, "Get the fuck out! I don't want to talk to you about this." But he was like, "No, it's not a sex cult." And like he was just so direct with it, and it was kind of scary. I don't know, man. That something about something about Doc got me fucking weird. Yeah, and, and I mean, and and he was doing the only action that you cannot justify in any sort of situation, and that is he he is ultimately sexually assaulting women. Yeah. 
And like grooming them and just being overly predatory and like <laughs> manipulative and exploitative. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about Doc just being completely deplorable. Yeah. I mean, gran- granted, I don't know what exactly is true or not, but <clears throat> again, uh, I saw I saw another recent interview uh, on YouTube where somebody got an interview with Doc uh, regarding that raid, and apparently, according to him, it had something to do with the fact that, <clears throat> first of all, he said it wasn't really a raid. He said uh, some people, you know, that, you know, check up, I think, like USDA or something, yeah. they'd like check up on all this shit. Uh, he had acquired a couple of big cats that he had gotten from from somebody else, and I guess that was them like checking up on the the paperwork of these cats or something. That's according to him. That's what the quote unquote raid was regarding. Uh, who's next? Did you want to do your list, Pat? Or um, I didn't have a list. Uh, well, I literally just made mine on the fly, and it's not far uh, from from Cody's. I think. I think we only have like uh, two different spots. Uh, number seven, you know, from from least to the worst. Uh, I got Mario, the Scarface. I got. Uh, I think I have Carol and Chucky flipped. I got Chucky after the drug dealer, and then I have Carol Baskin. Uh, uh, it's just, just something. To, I don't trust her, man. I'm not saying she's like terrible, but yeah, I'm, there's something not right there. But I think the rest of your list. Uh, uh, the rest of our lists are spot on. I got Alan, the Hitman, Joe Exotic, Jeff Lowe, and of course, piece of shit Doc Antle at the top. Yeah, I'm glad we can agree that Doc Antle is. I think we. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we all agree that Doc like, Antle is. It kind of goes without saying at this worse. point. Like honestly, like I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm in agreement with, with y'all, y'all. I mean, just like. I mean, both those lists sound good to me. Like to me, the the Chucky guy and Carol are kind of yeah that all, was on the- a similar level. Now, if it does come out and to say like you know Carol did actually kill her husband, I think she would probably edge out. Uh, they, they they did reopen the uh, murder investigation, like, not much. So, I, I definitely have like have like a, a healthy level of doubt, respectful level of doubt surrounding her, but I'm like. I'm open to hear more either way, but still, like, yeah, I got my eye in you, bitch. You're, uh, you're, you're spooky. I don't know how we can watch it. Uh, it's probably not going to be as entertaining, but uh, apparently the channel uh, Investigation Discovery is going to do a series, and apparently some new information is going to come to light about this whole Tiger King thing. Oh, okay. I'm sure so. there's plenty there's plenty more secrets to be spilled from this. Like, you know, they opened Pandora's box yeah. with this documentary, and I feel like we're going to hear even because like, we're all keep talking about it, like, we could just kind of like locked in place in, in our homes. Because we, cause even after everybody saw it, we were talking about it for just constantly for days and days and days. We're still talking about it. Yes. And like, <laughs> and I think just because they, they kicked an anthill with this story, and like, we're going to, like, there's going to be. Ripples coming out from this for a long time yet, and also we didn't touch on it. Uh, isn't didn't the didn't they reopen the case about they did her um, former husband? They did because of this. But uh, yeah, I, I when I was actually going to try to watch the series again and take notes, I have like four notes here, one of which I thought was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> out of everything that we've seen from the show, one of the first things you hear Joe say is like when the documentarian's like, "Hey, just take the hat off." He goes, "Oh no, I can't do that." Every all, your audience will be like, "Oh my god, he has a mullet," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's going to be the thing 
that, <laughs> that that's the least offensive thing about the way you look. According to TikTok, mullets are coming the fuck back. <laughs> <laughs> they need to stay in the nineties and where they belong. Uh, well, I think one last thing before we wrap up. Uh, everybody put in one fantasy cast for the joke for the Joe Exotic Tiger King movie. <laughs> okay. I picked Kathy Bates to play Carol Baskins. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Who you got for a casting pick? Oh fuck. For just Carol on this one, or are we just or just any Carol, any, any, oh. anybody you got? Uh, come back to me. I got to think. All about right, it. Uh, Tim. Ro- I want John Goodman to play Doc. Oh, Antle. dude, oh, damn. Oh, yes. I was just about to do my Doc Antle. Tim Robbins. Yeah. All you have to do is get him to put on the shit he wore in High Fidelity, and that would be Doc Antle. The yeah. soul patch, everything. Just dye it fucking white, and you're well, his hair is white now, so he can just like let it go and just. They'll just glue like a ZZ top, like go flavor saver to his fucking face. Because <laughs> he, because that's how disgusting it is. Oh, oh, uh, I'm trying to think of something that's not like cliche or like something anyone said before. Like David Spade is like, like he's actively petitioning to be. Oh, oh my God. Every Tiger King cast member that he interviewed, they're all like, Oh man, just throw on that Joe dirt wig and you can be Joe exotic, man. Tobin Bell, who played Jigsaw. He's obviously Jeff Lowe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I know I'm not even, I'm not a hundred percent convinced they're not the same person. No, Jigsaw's a better person than Jeff Lowe. <laughs> yeah. He, he's at least trying to help people in a very twisted, murderous way. I'm trying to think. Michael Rooker is Alan, the hitman. Get out of my head. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> oh. Wait, was that the guy who played... M- Merle in The Walking Dead? Yeah. Mer- oh, I was thinking... Uh, I was thinking, what's his name from fucking... Uh, shit from uh, Breaking Bad. No, uh, oh, no. No, that's somebody else. No, I, I know. But, but he would be he would be good too for for Alan, I think. Yeah, uh, uh Michael Rooker played Yondu in Guardians. Oh, okay, okay. Frank Miller is Rick Kirkman, the producer. Yes. God, yes. I was thinking I was thinking Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey is Joe Exotic. I'm trying to think who. What's with all these tigers? Who would my Joe be? Did you see that Rob Lowe did a fucking like photo shoot dressed as as Joe Exotic? No, it's kind of scary. Oh no! No, no, no! It needs to be Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood is Joe Exotic. Yeah, just think about it in your head for a second, seeing his little scrunchy face all Joed up. I, I would think Joe or Elijah Wood would be one of his husbands more than Joe. But, but, but Elijah Wood's not tall enough to be any of his husbands. Yeah, but I mean, you could put him in stilts, Pat. Put him on the app. Just digitally CG his legs longer, but only that. Oh, my God. <laughs> fuck. Well, God. Jonah Hill as the campaign manager. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Get it. Okay, bring <laughs> Bring back all the people from Cats to play the Tigers. <laughs> I was about to say, I was telling Jonathan, like, all, all the Tigers are just like, the, the, just like Cats level of CG. But, but, but they have to have their buttholes. The butthole cut. Release the butthole cut. If they started singing about Jellicle Cats, you know what? I'm on Joe's side. I'm on Joe and Doc's side about killing them. <laughs> Let's put them down, boys. All right. I got, I, I, I found my pick. Paul Walter Hauser as the uh, fucking Chucky guy. 
He, he, who's that? He pe- he's the guy who played Richard Jewell in that shitty Clint Eastwood movie. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I can see that. God. We got a movie, boys. Oh, yeah. Patricia Arquette Man. as Carol Baskin. That's my Carol Baskin. Or you could, or you could have a, a thicken up. What's her name? Um, Margot Robbie. <laughs> put her as Carol. Just Bassett. put her in a fat suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you use Gwyneth Paltrow's fat suit from uh, Shallow Hell? <laughs> Hell, let's just go. Let's just make it crazy and put Eddie Murphy as Doc Angel and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, why not? But Eddie Murphy's on the rise. He made Dolomite. He's getting his career back. Fucking uh, Jared Leto as all the tigers. <laughs> Jared, uh, Jared Leto as the amputee guy. No, that is uh, Matthew McConaughey. That's oh uh, yeah. Like, no, no. Would she Matthew McConaughey be the blonde haired guy? That could work too. Yeah. I don't give a uh, fuck. All like, right, all right, all like right. Like True Detective, Dallas Buyers Club era McConaughey, where he's like fucking emaciated. <laughs> God damn it. Emaciated and obviously eating cocaine for breakfast. Uh, all right, all right, all right. So, I, I know y'all had a bit that y'all wanted to do about the music videos. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally forgot to watch them, though. Okay. Well, I just wanted to, because I did go and watch a few of them. Okay. That, the person they got to play Carol Bass. <gasps> yes! Me. I thought that was Carol. Yes! I still can't. I still can't. Like I 100% am not. This this whole thing may have just been a fucking money laundering scheme. <laughs> like they were in on it together. Like, oh my god. Yeah, like this shit's crazy because she looked exactly like her, and like even head on, she looked exactly like Carol to the point to where I was kind of like <laughs> either that or like Joe Exotic somehow uh, sprang the cash to do like the the Disney like face technology and just like put Carol's face on this lady <laughs> shit the dig- um, there's a few other things go ahead uh, I was just going to say the digital Carol technology <laughs> yeah. and plus how, how, how like, Joe Exotic has like a, just a handful of like tiger shit for like a good portion of that video oh god <laughs> I'll uh, wrap this up so I can get this shit off my hand <laughs> yeah it's nasty um <laughs> 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 uh, uh, <laughs> going no, and the best. So a few of these videos kind of got me fucked up too. Um, so looking at the <laughs> the the thing that got me fucked up was um, the Sarah McLaughlin style video. Uh, do you ever wonder what love can do? Uh, that video had like the slow, like in the arms of the angels type 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 photos scrolling past the big cats and Joe's crying over a monkey at one point. And I don't know. It was just really weird. I really enjoyed that one. Um, that one was. That one was. Joe was trying to get money for his for his for his group on that one. But the thing that got me fucked up was. Do y'all remember that song? Say something, and it was like by Big Something. Like say something. I'm giving up on you. That that. Yeah. Yeah. That song. Say something. Okay. Th- he has a cover of that song. What? <laughs> Yeah, this is where it kind of gets weird for me. There's a cover that Joe did of that song, but we all know that Joe wasn't actually singing those songs. Yeah. So Joe had to like this song so much that he wanted to do a cover of it, so he got his singers to do a cover of Say Something. 
so that he could make a video out of it. Oh my god. And, it, 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 that's what's weird to me. Anyways, I just thought that was a really weird thing to happen. Also, throughout the entire set of videos, as as t- Patrick knows this quite well because of podcasts and stuff like that, there's a certain level of uh, consistency you have in titling your videos and punctuation. Yeah. And making sure everything looks okay. Going through some of these videos and looking at the descriptions and looking at the titles... Oh my god. Like, they have no sort of punctuation, no sort of, like, consistency in how they're posted. Like, as someone who has posted uh, the audio for this and YouTube videos and streams and everything like that over the course of ten years, how can someone have so much fucking money to still make such trash shit and still be so popular? I I, I, I bet it's not like the same guy cheap doing this. I feel like he had several people and they just got fed up and they just kind of, like, they just passed just like a like a bad penny to, to onto the next sap the next like intern that came in, and I'm fine with that. It's just like it just blows my mind at how like the lack of consistency there is and lack of I don't know how how do why why we got, why aren't we number one on iTunes at this point? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> like why why are we like you know what I'm saying? Like how can people like him just get so much traffic and then people. Who I'm not saying we're the best podcast out there or anything like that, but how can people like him and and there are a lot of people like him who put so much, like they put a lot of effort into it, but like the little details aren't really wrapped up and they're just very not it's not very clean. How can people like him create stuff and it gets out there into the world and people love that shit, but then people like us who spends a lot of time on the details and you know ordering and making mm. things consistent, just be like. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's just so funny. I mean, it, it all comes down to he has, one, just this intangible X factor that, you know, is just not quantifiable. But also, I mean, he's just that charismatic. It, like, like you can't take your eyes off of him once you see him, and, yeah. and especially once he starts talking. He, he's just so magnetic. Even if even if you know exactly what you're looking at, it's just like this flaming pile of garbage like everybody ever consumed his stuff, I feel, kind of felt like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen, but it's also the most entertaining thing I've ever seen. So let me continue to to consume this, and I feel like that's 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 why he got as big as he is, and that's why, like, when we've been grinding honestly for three years now, and then like he he does all this bullshit, and it's kind of like it makes it makes a life of honest effort seem kind of pitiful. But and one thing we're also forgetting, I mean, this guy, I mean. I mean, he didn't just kind of. I mean, like like you were saying, he definitely did not do. You know, wasn't labeling or like titling his stuff correct. But I mean, he was he was putting in a lot of effort for many years. Or he, he had other people put in effort for him. Yeah, yeah, he it was either him or he he basically contracted that shit out. It just pisses me off that like. That's stu- now I'm just mad thinking about the fact that all that footage that got destroyed. Could you imagine what we'd be seeing if that shit didn't get burned down? Yeah, because like prior to them saying that it got burned down, I was thinking that most of the footage that we were seeing came from that set of stuff. Yeah, that's what and I like thought the too. Fact that, 
And then they said it burned down. I was like, holy shit. So what we're seeing is everything filmed afterwards. So what the fuck was happening in those lost years of Joe? Because I kind of went down the rabbit hole a little bit. I went to the official YouTube channel. Like, I'm pretty sure those videos are going to start booming now. They had decent views, but now they're probably just going to be ridiculous. But, like, just just little videos. Like, And you weren't kidding. Like, there's no punctuation there whatsoever. And this is coming from somebody who's, you know, not that great with punctuation. But even I'm like, God, I'm like... But um, it's like little videos, like he got into an altercation with somebody living on the park who, like, I don't know what was going on. Like, apparently, like, she had somebody living in that RV that wasn't supposed to be living there. He was trying to get an eviction notice and blah, blah, blah. He had a meeting with his staff saying, if I catch any drugs on, on this property, you're going to be fired. I'm going to put you in handcuffs myself. And I'm just like, aren't you, like, just feeding your your husband's meth by the spoonful <laughs> just buying i don't know it's it's just oh god it's it's crazy this this whole this whole thing how long have we been recording by the way <laughs> uh, i mean we're upwards of two, we're about 2 hours and 15 minutes oh buddy <laughs> oh man is there, is there anything left to say have we <laughs> i created joe exotic and I, I i've exhausted everything i have to say about Tiger King. I created Joe Exotic in what I think he would look like as a professional wrestler in New Jap- in Fire Pro Wrestling World, and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like Joe Exotic. I had to I actually had to create him twice because um, I don't know because this is a, a very Japanese game, and when I think of export, you know, you're taking something that already exists and you know putting it somewhere else, right? Well. I guess something got lost in translation because when I hit export, it deleted everything that I'd done. So I had to do it all over again. So I created Joe Exotic twice in that game. No, see what you have it exported your Joe Exotic character from the game. It put him in real life. He's he's wandering around right now. There's two of them. Oh no! <laughs> but but this one he does how to do the sickest tiger tiger driver you can think. He of. has like tiger fucking like speedos on. Oh man, condoms, his and her lubricants. Tiger print underwear, I, 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 everything. I think we've covered it all. <laughs> God, his gift shop was uh, on another level. He said that. that he said that underwear was the highest, hottest selling thing he had there, and it looked like he had raided like a fucking Adam and Eve warehouse. <laughs> no, he raided Spencer's. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, if, if it was more like a, a box fell off Spencer's truck and he picked it up after a couple of days on the side of the road. Like, D- DVDs with 28 songs and 16 music videos on there. Jesus Christ. He, the man was prolific in the best and the worst ways. Like, and, and just in case, and just in case, I'm pretty sure some of y'all are going to get urinated on, but that's all right, because just in case we have shirts in the gift shop to say I got peed on by a tiger. I'm sure he's probably selling the piss. <laughs> tiger pee. <laughs> tiger blood. Don't forget the real Tiger King, Charlie Sheen. Oh God! <laughs> Incoming, uh, Charlie's seen uh, Joe Exotic feud. God damn it! Oh, oh man. man, I'm well, tired. My brain is was turned to garbage watching this, and just just getting all this venom out of my system. I feel like at least five pounds lighter. <laughs> I'm so. I feel like I've been uh, exercised. Yeah, I, like not actually physical exercise, but like demons are out of me now. Yeah, like I, I am exhausted. I am Joe Exhausted. <laughs> wow, you're on fire today, Cody. With all these fucking <laughs> top-tier puns. 
He's been cooped up and he's waiting to get all his energy out. Well, I think that's about all we have left to say. It, it, like we're, we're worn out, our brains are burnt out, and like we're spent because this this show it ruined us. <laughs> and so, but thank you all so much for for listening. Uh, thank you all for, for enduring this show and and enduring everything and enduring what's going on in the world. We appreciate that so much. Be be sure to follow us uh, online on. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, uh, Overcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, like RSS feed catchers, we're there. Please uh, rate, like, review, subscribe. It helps us get out there. We get more uh, listens, more views, and just get, spread the world around. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, AYC It's Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Letterboxd at uh, All You Can Hear. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash All You Can Hear. And all our VEDs from Twitch live on our YouTube at YouTube slash All You Can Hear. You can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter and Instagram at John Loss's Name. And follow my art on Facebook at John Loss's Name Art. You can follow me, Jonathan, on Twitter at uh, JohnnyBoy24. That's J-O-N-I-I-B-O-I-24. And letterbox at John owns on twelve. I'm Cannon. I'm broke as shit, and you can follow me <laughs> at that Cannon guy on Twitter. You got your plugs, Cody? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, hello. For some reason, you've been going in and out sometimes, and so there's like a little silence. Anywho, so I'm like, I, I was like, when? Uh, I hope, I hope, I hope they come back before I have to do my plugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anywho, uh, my name is Cody. You can follow me at CODDOC11. Uh, follow me on Instagram and follow me on Letterboxd. I, I have been watching some movies in, in this uh, quarantine time, so hit me up there. I keep forgetting to plug my Letterboxd. God damn it. Ooh. That Ooh. cannon guy all across the board. Instagram, Letterboxd, Twitter, all that shit. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, once again, thank you all for listening. Uh, y'all take care of yourselves. We'll be talking to you soon. Goodbye. Bye. I saw the tiger. tiger. And the, the tiger, tiger saw man. man. Ah.